Welcome to another week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stackton here alongside my good friend and co-host, Sports Director at KORN Radio in Mitchell, South Dakota. It's Travis Crins. Travis, how we doing? Doing good. Nice fall weather. Couple of nice. It was windy. It was windy yesterday, but awfully nice. I have a big pile of leaves that I raked up for Noah to jump in. Here, and I'm hoping the wind doesn't take them. I will be mowing the lawn here at some point uh, this week to get rid of the leaves, and hopefully it'll be the last time I mow for the year. I did that in the front yard a week ago. We did that a couple weeks ago. We knew we'd have to do it again. And mm-hmm. The backyard, there's not too many leaves. They went somewhere, and I don't know where they only went. So that's fine with me. So probably doesn't look to be a big rake here because the wind tore them down and then the wind blew them away. Now, does the city of Mitchell, do they offer like yep. yard bags and they'll come pick it up or do you have to actually take them to a dump somewhere? You got to buy your own bag but they'll pick them up. Okay, same with St. Cloud. I think that's beginning to be the like the normal yeah. kind of yeah. custom for, for most cities and whatnot. Um, we want to take one of, one of, at least one of our trees completely out. Okay. Or cut it off at the stump. And uh, time's running out to do that. And all we got to do is have this guy come, but Tina doesn't appear to be one on to come here. So. We have a big maple tree in our backyard, and it is one of the last trees in the neighborhood that t- that changes its colors, like the, the leaves change colors, and also falls. So. Like everyone else has gotten their a lot of their yard work done, where I am still, you know, kind of waiting. I would say it's about seventy-five percent of the leaves are off, uh, but still waiting for that additional twenty-five percent. Because inevitably, after I get the lawn mowed, there will be more that come down, and I'm still going to have to do it again. So it's it's rather annoying that we're already, you know, a week plus into November. Uh, I guess a week into November, and still having to do this. Yeah, things are, things are hanging on. Things are hanging on, so. How was uh, yeah. Halloween? How many uh, trick-or-treaters did you get? Uh, how many cookies did you give away? Got rid of all of them. We had 24 cookies, I think. 24 bags of cookies to each. Nice. And there's a couple I gave them to a few of these. I did a couple, so. We had a full lot of them, so maybe, you know, 15, maybe, so... Okay. They seemed like the cookies. Excellent. No, and Jason each came out with a haul of candy, so it was good. It was good all the way around. Uh, it was chilly, though. It's warmer now than it was for Halloween last week. Uh, so maybe that uh, took away some of the trick-or-treater traffic. And I was uh, downtown today, and it is, what, November 6th? Yep. City of Mitchell putting up uh, their very expensive Christmas tree. I mean, is that necessary right now? Like, can't you wait till closer to Thanksgiving? Yeah, I can maybe wait. So we just we just bypass Thanksgiving. So it was like late September. There was Christmas crap in the in Walmart already. Mm-hmm. And like you see on TV, oh, the Black Friday deal right now. It's like. The, what are you going to do with Black Friday to get to? I'm going to say. If the are now, then what's Black Friday all about? Yep. Yeah. Don't, I don't even look at those. I wait until Black Friday. That's the that's the time to do it. you got to stick with tradition. 
Stick with tradition. So, it used to be like, I mean, they got in the habit of doing it on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So that, that night off. And then they kind of backed off on it. And now they just decided, you know what? We're just going to do it a month ahead. Yeah. At least. At least a month ahead. It feels like Christmas has been here for a month already. It's like, yeah, you got to get past Thanksgiving first. That gives you plenty of time for all your Christmas crap. Because so, your Christmas crap, they're not going to take this down till next year. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's going to be December 26th and they're taking this crap down. Like, oh, we'll, we'll wait till January 4th. So this shit's going to be up for two months. Yeah. Um... Let's see. Where do we want to start today? Do we want to start with the Vikings, or do we want to start with baseball? Oh, no goddamn Vikings. Please, to- please tell me that you aren't going to find the negative in what was a truly spectacular performance by Joshua Dobbs and uh, just an overall outstanding team effort by the Vikings. You aren't going to... I like this. I like this second... Turnover more than a third. Get out of here, dog. You got I'm sitting here, dog. His second turnover was my best, my greatest win. Is when just got the ball just kind of popped out. So you got hit by a lineman. It was like a great preseason game. It was like you got this random guy playing this spot. You got a fourth string quarterback out there for both sides. You've got. Some guy named Jackson was the receiver. I'm like, who's this guy? What what role of the stadium did they pick him from? Who who was Jackson? I believe he is a second year player. Who um, in the hell was that? I think he caught at least one pass. They got the, a guy named Jackson, number nine, I believe. Yes. Yep. Yep. Caught the two point so conversion. He was out there. They had some guy at left tackle I'd never heard of. David David Quesenberry. You hadn't heard of David before. I, I don't know. Back up. Back up. Well, he he used to play for the Texans, and then he got oh, cancer, and then he had to come out for a year. I believe this is the same Quesenberry, and then he played for Buffalo, and now is with the Vikings. Um, I didn't. I don't know. like the '80s Kansas City Royals reliever Dan Quesenberry. So I don't know this. It was. It, it didn't get off to a good start. I watched the first half, and then I came back later on in the night, and I knew they had won. And I'm like, all right, how's it? And one of those games, kind of like that Buffalo game last year, where it's like, how do they end up winning this? Because this is not going well. Well, give. And, they and the, de- the defense made some big stops. They sure did. Atlanta, but you got to fire your coach. He's a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, B. John Robinson's there. They don't use him. Like, what's the point? Yep. Um, you're, you're, you're wasting your time with, with molester Stash Smith out there because he obviously doesn't know what the fuck's going on. So, and, and unlikely when Jared Hall looked good. He did. Yeah. Job, Dobbs runs around, which that is that. That's not what Kirk does. So, is Dobbs runs around, so that is good. That is so good. An unlikely victory. The football gods stack are saying, don't win these games, you stupid fucking idiots. Don't win these games. We're going to take out your, your your number one quarterback. We're going to take out your number two. We're going to take out your third string or your backup running back. We're going to take out Jefferson and all these other guys. We're going to take out your left tackle. Quit winning these games, but these, these Vikings, boy, they're... 
they're tough cookies, I'm sure, in the end. It'll all be worth it, but I won. Like, this this win is just great. I could watch that post-game, like, the... The post-game, like, locker room speech and everything. I could watch that all day long. Just the sheer joy and excitement of Joshua Dobbs. Five days. Oh, not even. He wasn't even with the team for five full days. And he comes in. He never, and, he never, he never practiced. Yep. One single snap in practice. Yep. I mean, that's what makes this whole story so much more improbable is that he didn't even get it. Wasn't like a he like came in just for a quarter or whatever to finish the game. He played almost the majority of the game, almost the full game. He didn't take any snaps with the ones. He hadn't thrown a pass to Jordan Addison. Like he hadn't done any of this, and that this is like I am. I am so glad that Kevin O'Connell is the Vikings head coach, just because of the 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 atmosphere that he has created for this team. This just general the, the, the culture of positivity and hey, we're going to win these games and stuff. We're going to find a way. And for him, like I don't understand how he isn't garnering more attention for just being able to you know talk to Dobbs in between each of these plays and say, okay, this is where you go. Like, he's breaking it all down, and then Dobbs goes into the huddle, and he's talking to Addison and Hawkinson, like, okay, where are you guys running to? He's doing um, cadence uh, practices with the offensive linemen on the, the sideline. Like, everything about this screamed improbable victory, and it's a testament to not only the Vi- like the entire Viking team going into the game, but also to Dobbs and how smart he is. I mean, he's a rocket scientist. He's a literal rocket scientist. And I love that you that you pointed out the escapability and the running because that's something, like you said, that we don't see a whole lot with Kirk. Dobbs can do that. That fourth and seven, I thought he was going down multiple times. Oh, my God. Like, please get it, please get it, please get it. And then he does, and he runs for 10 yards more. That touchdown run that he had was incredible. Uh, now I do think you know there's there's some timing things like he could have thrown the ball a little faster at times, but that will come with reps with the guys. He's like they were literally just playing back like schoolyard football out there. Okay, you guys go here and, and we'll we'll figure this out. We'll piece it together as it comes along. Um, Hawkinson was great. Addison had a great catch on the sideline there on that last drive. Like. You know the the defense or the offensive line played very well for the most part. That's a very good defense Atlanta has. They're a top ten ranked defense, and you can certainly bury the Falcons today and and place a lot of blame on them. But you also have to credit just how good Dobbs and the rest of the team were were to be able to overcome all of those obstacles and and just. It's a, it's an incredible win and an incredible story for Dobbs, who is now appears to be the starter moving forward. They got a couple of field goals. They scored three touchdowns. That was good. They had, uh, you know, yeah. My big thing is, you, you know, you can't be settling for field goals. You got to score touchdowns because they're. Goal line offense isn't very good. Their red zone offense hasn't been very good. Their run blocking offense is not very good. Yeah. When you can't run the ball, you're probably not going to do well inside the 5 or 10. And this is a team that, you know, as we know, just, we're not going to run the ball or try. So, 
you know, they, they, they had to score some touchdowns. Um, defense got some big stops, hold them to field goals, hold them to field goals. There were two drives in which or they had negative six yards, negative four yards, or they just kept moving backward. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, defense, you, you give up 28, but um, you hold them with some field goals in some good spots. So, you feel like you want to get Jaron Hall back in there at some point in the year because – First, like first pass of the game was just this short pass right at the line of scrimmage. Yep. And I thought, all right, you had this quarterback up two touchdowns throwing out of his own end zone last week against the Bears. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to do this conservative bullshit. And and fortunately, they didn't because they moved the ball down the field. They Threw it past the stick, so that was good to see. Great long pass to Madison. Um, I put it off from him, so Dobbs. And and Hall also had some escapability. I mean, he can scramble too, but Dobbs appears to be a better scrambler. He just, based on what, you know, again, limit. And I feel bad for Jerry. I really do. Neither's a long-term solution past... This year, but you like to, but, but Dobbs has been around. I mean, you kind of know what he is. You know, he's like a really good backup. Like, if yes. he's your backup, well, we can, we can win with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what his contract situation is, but sign him. Sign him to be, uh, we'll see how things go. But if he could be a backup or if Jaron Hall, he'll be around for a while. So you want to see what you have in him. I, I want them to sign, sign Hall or uh, sign, not Hall, sign Dobbs. And just get rid of Mullins and uh, and Sean Mannion after seeing like Sean Mannion still Christ? How is he still around? I don't know, but the, I, if you're willing to tell me that Nick Mullins or Sean Mannion would be able to do what Dobbs yeah. or Hall did, absolutely not. So no, those guys have to go at the end of the season. I am all for sticking with Dobbs as the backup and keeping Jaron Hall on the roster, and then. You know, bringing back, I, I still think you got to bring back Kirk Cousins based on what they did. And it sounds like the team wants to do it. Every, like, the, every, the players were all sporting Kirk Cousins shirts and stuff in pregame warmups. Like, this is a team that loves Kirk Cousins. And, you know, the teammates loved him. And it, it was a great response for from them just, you know, to, given what happened last week in Green Bay. For them to come out, and yeah, it started out a little slow. Um, I was kind of hoping on that play that Jaron Hall got hurt on. I was hoping they would actually go for a touchdown there, sneak it in, but you, you really can't do that with with Dobbs and whatnot just starting out there. Um, but the offense kept, you know, kept going and stuff, and they got better as the game went on. And I think they're going to be even better here in weeks to come with the more reps that Dobbs is going to get with the ones. But I agree with you, too. I, I think I would like to see Jaron Hall get some more looks because what little bit we saw, he was pretty good. Now, I don't know if that would have lasted all game long if, if he would have, you know, reverted back a little bit. But he certainly looked the part in that second drive for sure. And you get to sit here, what does this team look like with Kirk Cousins? Because he's been around for six years now. Yes. And we get to see, we've seen what this team does without Jefferson, and they appear to be fine without him. So he'll be back, probably not this week, but maybe at Denver. 
It does. What they got is their bye week after Denver. Is that nope. right? Nope. It is. Uh, they have the Wait. home game with Chicago on a Monday night that might get flexed out. Then it's the bye week in week thirteen. Or maybe he'll be back with against Denver. We'll see what happens. So we get to see what it looks like with Jefferson. Do do things somehow get worse with him because they've been fine without Justin Jefferson. I think, but that's again. I think the next men, the next man up mentality. I mean, think how much better they're going to be with Jefferson. And really, like this is why I think you know the Vikings weren't that bad of a team coming in. Like they're still you know kind of learning the Brian Flores defense, but the defense has been getting better each and every week. And there's I, again, I'm still going to say that there's a reasonable argument that can be made that the Vikings would have been two and one or three and zero. Oh, after three games, if they hadn't had all those turnovers. So I really don't think this is a bad team. I think they're getting better on defense. I hope Brian Flores sticks around. You get Kirk Cousins was having a, a career year. You just need to establish the run a little bit more, fix the run blocking a bit. But this is a team that I think can really emerge here and be a viable contender with the Eagles and the 49ers, with some additions. This is not a, oh, we have to tear down here. They And that's what the Vikings have preached really from the get-go with uh, Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi. Uh They have said, we want a competitive rebuild. They want to remain competitive while rebuilding. But they're not they're competitive. Not... You know, how are they're they not... not competitive? They've won four in a row. And yeah, keep... Competitive to them is... We can finish over 500, make the playoffs. They were 13 and four last year. This is a better team this year than the team last year. Being competitive means you're up there with the top five, six teams in the league. You're not competitive with the Eagles. You're not competitive with San Francisco. Yeah, next year. San Francisco. You're, you're not competitive with those tippy top teams. And again, you, you have to beat you have to beat teams. That's why I'm saying they're getting there. I'm not saying they're there right now, but that's the can't whole. Continue with this bullshit of every fucking week. We watch these games, and all right, here it is. Last play of the game. It comes down to this, and this was another one of those games they scored with 20 seconds left to win the game. But it this wasn't was, two weeks ago. Against... It was different, but it's 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 a new cast of characters, and it's the same same results. As we've seen now for a year and a half of two weeks. All right, let's two. see what happens. Either they make the field goal, or they miss it, or they get the turnover, or they don't, or they they get the touchdown, or they get the stop. You have to put together some stretch of games. They finally beat Green Bay by two touchdowns. Yeah, I was just going to say that's a game that was but not a one-score game. game, and then we revert right back to this, and then we've got the Saints. I don't. No, I mean, this, I don't, this is not a revert back. They were with thing the, where they're, they're not. They're, they're winning on the road. They're not winning at home. I think they probably the offense probably takes a step back this week. I would guess the Saints are pretty good defensively. Then you got the Broncos, and those are two teams that are uh, kind of blah. Are so, the are the Saints really that good though? They forced five turnovers against the Bears and only won by seven. Are their the defense Saints, was good. Their defense is playing pretty good. But Atlanta was like a top ten defense. I think they were ranked sixth or eighth in the in the NFL. So it's not like the Vikings were going against a bad defense. That's what makes this win, this improbable victory, all that more amazing. Is that they weren't going against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. They were going against one of the best statistically. That's a that's amazing. It is like. Dobbs did really well 
in the second half. He was pretty bad in the first first quarter, quarter and a half was pretty bad. But I mean, again, it kind of overshadowed the whole thing. Oh, he did amazing because we won. Well, he was twenty to thirty four hundred fifty. That's not very. But again, you have to consider the circumstances. He he didn't even know the guys' names. Do we make? I was thinking, do we make too much of you know, like oh, it's year it's year two for Kirk Cousins in the system, and now I mean, no, eighteen months to figure out the the playbook. If that's the case, no, I think we need to. Baker Mayfield did this last year. So it's like, all right, this, this this is not impossible. No, okay. There, this it, is this is where it, this is where the difference is though between Dobbs and Mayfield. Mayfield came in what twenty four forty eight hours or whatever and got reps with the ones. Dobbs never got a rep with anyone who he played with on the field. He didn't get you know he got a crash course on the game plan. He doesn't even know the full extent of the playbook. So, so what, what does it say that both of those guys were able to do that on 48 hours notice? I think what it says is, I think it, what it says is that Kevin O'Connell is a hell of a coach to be able to get Dobbs in real time to be able to do that. It's absolutely incredible. And uh, that was a sensational thing what Mayfield did last year too. But again, he had reps with the ones. He had time he had time to get that done. And even if he would have, he's throwing to, you know, Johnny Munts and uh, this Jackson guy. TJ, I mean, there were a couple penalties on TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Christ, they held on pass interference. They just would not call pass interference mm-hmm. on TJ Hawkinson at all. And they were dirty hits, too, on, like, uh, especially on KJ Osborne. That was dirty. Um,. The one on Jaron Hall, maybe not so much. But there were some cheap shots by the birds. They were playing dirty birds. And the Vikings, one penalty for four yards. This is They are one of the, be- the better teams. I think they only have one defensive pass interference penalty called against them this year. One or two. It's very few. This is a very... I, I, I'm telling you, this is a very... Much, uh, a, a good team in terms of you know not committing a whole lot of penalties. And they are just... Turnover, throw up away, you know. They, they, you clean that stuff up. They're they're sitting right atop the conference here. And the best part about no, this no, is no, no, they no, they are no. they keep pressure on the Lions now. Yeah. So that, I, I just just the same old stuff. Like they're not winning a playoff game. How do you know? I I, I don't see that happening. I don't see them going to Detroit. Or San Francisco or Philadelphia. That's one one either one of those three teams is gonna be your playoff opponents. And you will have seen all of them in the regular season. I do not see the Vikings winning a playoff game. If, if they, I don't they gotta make it first. Yep. They do. I don't, I don't see them winning at Detroit, San Francisco, or Philadelphia. I mean We'll see. We'll see. I guess it, it's They're just in the playoffs in the first place. But yeah. I, if they do, that's who they play, and I don't see them winning. So. It's just exciting that they are competing the way. And that game was just absolutely incredible. Speaking of incredible performances, how about C.J. Stroud for the Houston Texans? Four hundred. I'm going to say Zach Wilson. I'm saying. Oh, four hundred seventy yards through the air. 
five touchdowns. Texans win 39-37 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, he has th- CJ Stroud has thrown one interception all season long. He has been absolutely dynamite. He led the Texans down on a game-winning touchdown drive with 46 seconds to go. It's not like he's throwing it to a lot of great wide receivers. I mean, Nico Collins is probably the Texans' best wide receiver. Got rookie Tank Dell. They have Dalton Schultz at tight end. Damian Pierce didn't even play in this one. And, I mean, again, it's just incredible what Stroud has done. 470 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. Again, one pick on the year. I, he is just lighting it up, and the Texans appear to have a very competitive team that maybe they won't get, you know, compete for a playoff spot this year. But in years to come, boy, watch out! They got their franchise quarterback, and you have to. I, I know Carolina is not going to say anything, but boy, when they're sitting there one in seven, and Bryce Young is looking pedestrian at best, throwing two pick sixes to the same guy. Uh, Kenny Moore this last week and CJ Stroud's doing what he's doing. I mean, come on. I mean, it's it's, it's incredible what CJ Stroud is doing. He does appear to make many mistakes. And he's an Ohio State quarterback. I think he's trying to get rid of that whole stigma about how bad Ohio State quarterbacks are in the NFL. And the one and their and the one win the Panthers have was against the Texans a week ago. Yes. Yep. Yeah, he doesn't make mistakes. He has one interception on the year. And I couldn't tell you a single other player who plays for the Texans. So that's impressive. I mean, the off the offensive line has been in shambles all year, or at least at the beginning of the season. I mean, they didn't have... Yeah, they had a rough stretch there against the Saints in Carolina, but before that, really good. Last week, one of the best games anybody's played all year mm-hmm. so uh, for them to play this well early was surprising and they're in the playoff mix that's that surprising for houston and yeah it may, may take bryce young a little bit if, if he ever is this good so like you just never know you never know with these quarterbacks and they're good to, they they that, that whole division you know they've got They've got, a, they've got some young quarterbacks. We'll see how good they are, but uh, they're all about 25%. Yeah, I mean, Will Levis looks pretty good here. I mean, he played decent against Pittsburgh, threw an interception at the end, but he had a great performance the week before, four touchdowns against Atlanta. Um, you know, we got, we'll see what Anthony Richardson can do with the Colts. We know what Trevor Lawrence is like with the Jaguars right now. All of a sudden, that AFC South is, well, well that's a pretty interesting division here once you know come next year uh the afc north is clearly the best division in football the ravens are destroying anyone who comes into the ravens nest uh they embarrass the seahawks uh what is it 37 3 something like that uh incredible win for baltimore uh seattle had 158 yards of total offense i mean really nothing that the Steelers won, yada, yada, yada. The Bengals had a big win against Buffalo. I don't think Buffalo's very good. I think we can finally say that like their window is shut uh, or just about. So they need to figure things out in a hurry. And I, the Browns' defense is great, but when you play Clayton Toon and the Cardinals, you, you should 
shut them out because the Cardinals clearly aren't trying to win anymore. But as obvious by the fact that they traded Dobbs, who just started a game for them the week before, had three touchdowns, and they traded him to the Vikings and started a rookie as they're waiting for Kyler Murray to get going. So I they, think were, the pro- they, they weren't winning, but they were a little bit too competitive. Like, you know what? We, we shouldn't be in as many games as we are. Yep. Yep. So let's go to another random guy who shouldn't be in a The AFC North is just... It's incredible. The Raiders fired Josh McDaniels, and they all of a sudden put up more than 20 points in a game. They fire their GM. We'll see if Antonio Pierce can land the, the full-time job. They bench Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, maybe it's just a one-week high, but definitely uh, different vibes felt in in Vegas. And that Eagles-Cowboys game, this is why like the Eagles are not as good this year as they were last year. Because they're winning games by the... They're almost like the Vikings to a degree this last year. Where you're winning games, you're finding different ways to win, but you're it's by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin. Here, uh, like, Dallas probably should have won this game. They get a uh, touchdown taken off the board when the guy's knee is down, like, not even a half yard away from the goal line. Dak Prescott steps out on a two-point conversion. And then they have it... At, at the six with like you know 30 seconds left or whatever and then Dak takes a sack you have a couple penalties and you know it seemed like the Cowboys were going to win that game and unfortunately they well I shouldn't say unfortunately but they didn't Dallas is looking good it's just like Philadelphia seems to be teetering uh we know Jalen Hurts isn't fully healthy Dallas Goddard has a fractured forearm he's going to miss several games it's if Philadelphia is still winning the games to their credit, but it's like okay, now you you get into that really difficult portion of their schedule. They're at Kansas City after their bye. Uh, they have Buffalo coming up. They have a return trip to Dallas that Dallas Goddard might not be there for. Uh, there's another game in between there. Oh yeah, the 49ers come to town as well. So this is not you know, Bills. Uh, at Chiefs, home against the Bills, home against the 49ers, at the Cowboys. That is a rough four game. And then at Seattle, which may or may not be bad. And then, you know, Giants, Cardinals, Giants to end the year. But the next five games, the Eagles, if they can get out, get through that stretch minimum, I'll say three and two, they'll be okay. But it's still the Eagles. There's they're just not quite clicking, but they're finding ways to win. And that's a, that's a testament to how good of a team they have. Dallas is dumb. They get the ball with there's 46 seconds left. Mm-hmm. They've got one timeout. Well, one timeout, no timeouts. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think they had any timeouts. Uh, no timeouts. You got again. You need a touchdown. You need to go eighty-six yards to win. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. First play is a pass interference to so get the ball to fifty, and the next play you're at the twenty-five yard line. You, you fourteen seconds. You just picked up sixty-five yards. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're gonna win this game. Mm-hmm. We're gonna win. We're first and ten at the eleven. 27 seconds, we got four shots to win it from the 11. 
Chinoa take all second with no timeouts. A draw, 27 seconds left. A draw play? A quarterback draw up the middle. What were you expecting? You can't you get a first down to one. Unless you thought you were going to score on that play. Like McCarthy's an idiot. Mm-hmm. That thought is stupid. Mm-hmm. Why would you call a quarterback run with no timeouts? You're going to have to spike the ball and you may have... He did that two years ago against San Francisco in the playoffs. Remember, like they they try and get up. Uh, they they run, up and they couldn't get the the ball. Um, you know, they couldn't spike the ball in time because the the, the placement and whatever. Um, so yeah, this is not the first time that Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott have tried this sort of deal. Arthur Smith tried to run a tight end jet sweep at the goal. With his tight end, it did not end well. Not even his best tight end. Not even, like not Kyle Pitt, John New Smith. What are we doing? What What is the point? What is the point of any of this? If these guys are going to do this, what is the point of putting Zach Wilson out there week after week after week? What there there are better options. Literally anybody you put out there will be better than Zach Wilson. Who is their backup? I don't know. He is better than him. Try to win. Do something. It's like, what? Just, you just hold your hands up. Like, yeah, another, another, another week in the NFL, another dumb week, stupid pass interference, pass uh, quarterback, uh, roughing, roughing the quarterback mm-hmm. plays. Here's a, here's a, thing where they tackled the quarterback as clean as you possibly could and they call him for a penalty it's like that what's what's even the point i i don't know i don't know also also uh buffalo bills i don't think at this point are making the playoffs yeah schedule they've got coming up you mentioned they play the eagles they gotta play miami again um last game of the year they've got they get the Jets. That'll help. I don't, I don't think Buffalo's making it. Yeah. Well, right now they wouldn't. Right now, the entire AFC North would be in the playoffs if the season yeah. ended today. And you look. I mean, you, as long as Joe Burrow is healthy, you got the Bengals right there. Mm-hmm. But they begin a difficult stretch of games here too. Kenny Pickett is terrible. Mm-hmm. He started twenty games. He has thirteen touchdowns. You know who has more touchdowns than Kenny Pickett? And C.J. Stroud definitely does. Like, yes, he does. Uh, yep. C.J. Stroud. Some other guy that, like, has... Or some, like, Mason Rudolph has more than him in, in like, 75% of the games. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kenny, Kenny Pickett, you know, just... He has six touchdowns this year. You gotta be better than that. So... Uh... Chiefs Dolphins in Frankfurt was not the game we thought we would get. Very low scoring. Travis Kelsey only has three catches for 14 yards. The Chiefs build a 21 0 lead going into the half. Don't score at all in the second half, but the Dolphins uh, really couldn't do anything. They put together a couple touchdown drives, but when it mattered most, uh, bad snap uh, or Tua took his eyes off of it. Regardless, the Dolphins lose. They have issues playing games away from Miami or against good competition. 
So we'll see what the Dolphins can do out of that, but not a great game. The final uh, international game is this week. It's Colts-Patriots, so yuck uh, to that one. But this week's slate of games, they're... Chiefs defense appears to be good. It is very good. Their offense, not so good. So this may be a thing where the defenses maybe got to carry things because... But Matt Nagy's their offensive coordinator, so whatever input he has is probably bad because Matt Nagy, Bears coach. Nagy! Nagy! Awful with the Bears. He comes back to Kansas City, and, like, they're all there. All their guys are out there, and they're not – the Chiefs are not the the exciting Chiefs that we've seen Mm -hmm. at the time, so – uh, maybe don't hire him. Maybe just get him the fuck out of there because he's bad. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever input he has. But I saw a post last week saying this week is the god awful work. And I saw it today. I'm like, there's at least three or four games here that are that are acceptable. So it's not as bad as maybe some people thought on Saturday. But yeah, there's there's some games here. The prime time schedule is horrendous, mm-hmm. but. There's some games of note that are that are important. Well, I think I think three of the top four games are in the noon window here this oh. week. Uh, Texans Bengals never would have thought I'd been saying that this is a big game, but that is that is one of them. Browns Ravens. This is a big game. Deshaun Watson didn't play in that first game against Baltimore, so we'll see if they can slow down the Ravens at all. Or if Baltimore will keep going. San Francisco, Jacksonville, both teams coming off of a bye. San Francisco, a three-game losing streak. That is a massive game um, because if San Francisco loses, things keep going down south for them. Jacksonville, this uh, the win would really solidify them amongst the top teams in the AFC. And then in that, that late afternoon window, I'm looking at Detroit at, at the Chargers, Chargers, you've won a couple games in a row. If you really want to be taken seriously, you have to beat Detroit. And Detroit, you're coming off of a bye. This is a game you probably should win, but you know, don't know for sure. That that game is dripping with intrigue for me because if the let's say, let's say this the the Vikings beat the Saints, and the Lions lose to the Chargers, Vikings would be six and four. A half game back of the Detroit Lions, but the Lions schedule is ridiculous <laughs> is ridiculously easy over the next six weeks. Home against the Bears, home against the Packers on Thanksgiving, at New Orleans, maybe a little bit of a difficult game, but not too bad. At Chicago, home against Denver. And then you have games against the two games against the Vikings uh, sandwiched in be, uh, the Cowboys sandwiched in between there, so like Vi- the the Vikings want any realistic chance of remaining in this division race, they have to beat the Saints on Sunday, and then they have to hope that the Lions lose to the Chargers, which I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's how. I mean, given what Detroit's got coming ahead of them, that's big. But those are the biggest games of the week, and it's three in the early window. And then that uh, uh, that late afternoon game that most of the country won't see because it's not part of the doubleheader. If the Lions beat the Chargers, the Lions will be the number one seed. 
Okay. Yeah, you know what? That's very that's a that's a good chance. San Francisco doesn't seem interested. Mention the Eagles. Eagles are eight and one. The Charter, the Lions are six and two. You know, at the Chiefs, we'll see what happens there. They've got uh, at Seattle right on in the air, so I'm all in on my Lions. So if they can beat Detroit, if they can beat the Charter, I think they'll be probably thirteen and four. Well, maybe they lose at Dallas. Uh, maybe they lose, you know, at the Saints. We'll see. But maybe they go fourteen and three. Obviously, I like Detroit. And why they, not Detroit? So let's let's get the four one seed. We've all made fun of the Vikings being thirteen and four last year and not being a great. 13 and 14 like they're worse than the record is. If the Vi- if the Lions were 14 and 3, they would be one of the worst 14 and 3 teams of all time. They're just they're not 14 and 3 worthy or talented, but given the they're schedule What? The Lions are not talented. They they are not 14 and 3 talented. They are a talented team, but not 14 and 3 and number 1 seed. It's how the schedule plays out but we'll see how it all breaks down it's a lot who, to... who would you pick if san francisco had to play in detroit san francisco i take them night and day any i i've got detroit going in the super bowl that's why, that's why i feel about that see that would be amazing they haven't been to the super bowl ever so huh? why not do it well, who do they, they don't have to be worried about anybody like if, if they're the number one seed I'm not kidding. San Francisco? San Francisco at this point is not winning their division. Like the way they're going. So they need to they need to get things going here. And the Eagles need to get through the strip. We'll see what the Eagles, where they're at here at the end of the month. But well, we'll see if, I mean, Seattle doesn't look worthy. If you had to, who's going to be the number one C? I think it's Detroit. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, I, that's a very good... Um. Yeah, that's good. I'm just. I don't think the only thing between Detroit and the NFC Championship game are the Saints or the Cowboys. I think they're beating those teams at home. Yeah. Then you have Philadelphia and San Francisco. Maybe battle it out in that second round. All right, winner goes to Detroit. So we'll see. And they might be beat up by that point. Um. Yeah. That would that'd be interesting. Uh, let's go to baseball. Oh, I, I've got, I, we're, we're halfway done with the season here. Yes. Teams are playing. Yep. I had, I had Cowboys, Ravens. Did you, you have Chiefs, 49ers? Chiefs, 49ers, yep. Do you, I'm not, I like, I, I like where I'm at. I'm like, all right, we're, we're fine with Dallas and Baltimore. I, yeah, Baltimore looks really good. Um, I think the Chiefs will eventually figure it out, I think. But you know what? Until they get knocked off, have to put them in there. You know what? The 49ers, a little shaky on that. Um, but you get Debo back. I think they'll be okay. They made a trade for Chase Young at the trade deadline. I don't know how they have a high enough draft pick to be able to get that, but they do. Um, I think the 49ers will be okay. Uh, but... They cannot lose. They cannot afford to lose more than one more game down the stretch here. They just can't. It felt like this year 
People tried to make the NFL trade deadline like this big deal. It, it, it's never been a big deal. Nope, it never nope. is going to be a big deal. The Agreed. two Washington defensive ends were the two biggest names yep. traded. I, this is why, I, I, why was this the year? Like, oh, well, who's, who's going to be? Like, nobody's going to be traded because it never happened. Right. I got what was so different about this? You're like, oh, yeah, let's see what happens. Well, nothing happened. I have I have a theory though that Washington, by trading their two defensive and uh, the Bears again, a uh, second consecutive year at the trade deadline, trading a second round pick. For a guy that's not going to make an impact on your team. Last year, it was a second rounder for Chase Claypool. He's no longer even with them. Montez Sweat, he will make more of an impact, but not, I don't think, I mean, they're going to try and sign him to a long-term deal. I mean, they have a ton of money. So they that's, did. $90 million for four years, so they used to sign. Is that, uh, is, did they agree to it? No, okay. Um I, I mean, I like that trade. Obviously, the Bears not good. They're going to have a top three to five pick. They need to pick a quarterback. And for them, again, Washington, these guys aren't going to sign with you, so ship them on out, I guess. They don't want to keep them. And Montez Sweat, good. Good player. So, I mean, and, and a set, you're, you're not going to find somebody better than him with the 35th pick. Unlikely. So, oh, do we want this guy? Or you want the 35th pick? Or it was a second rounder? Yeah, a second. I mean, you say, like, the, the, the Bears are using second rounders on guys oh, that I, I, I mean, Chase Claypool, that did not work out. But I like that strategy of, yeah, let's give this pick up because we know what we're getting here. In the draft, you don't know anything. So this, I like it. And for Washington, this gives, gives you more ammunition to... That's what I'm thinking. They trade their two defensive ends. Howell's been good at points, but you need to be better than him. What he's second in passing yards. They, uh, they they don't have a running game. They have now an extra second and an extra third. They have a new owner, Josh Harris. I think he owns the 76ers and the New Jersey Devils or something like that. He probably wants his guy. He's going to probably fire Ron Rivera at the end of the year. Um, you he he would like to make a splash with the quarterback. You trade these picks or trade these guys for additional picks, it adds more ammunition for you to be able to trade up and land a Caleb Williams or a Drake May. That's what I think the I th- that's what I think Washington is doing by by trading these defensive ends. And I see all of these mock drafts and nearly all of them there is a trade at the top. Well who's gonna trade? The Bears aren't gonna trade out of that spot. The Cardinals you wouldn't think well I mean, who's gonna get the number one pick Considering who's going to be the number one pick, and you know what, we're going to trade. We're going to trade down. Hey, who's going to be at the top of the draft? This year's draft, and they're going to trade out of that. I don't see that happening. I'm sure there's plenty of teams that want to trade up, but who would they trade up with? Right. Well, not the Bears. Not the. Uh, oh, the Bears, though. If they have, if Carolina has that. Pick like if they go back to back, they could certainly trade and for a haul if they're comfortable with the third best quarterback or you know potentially the, you know second on their board whoever. That's a that's a possibility. If you're Carolina, yeah, I'll take Caleb Williams and say, all right, let's let the best man win. I really love what the Cardinals did when they took Tyler Murray after Josh Rosen. Like Josh Rosen sucks. Mm-hmm. Let's take Tyler Murray. You can take two quarterbacks like 
after one year, you feel like you got a good idea of who's and what's what. And Josh Rosen, did he ever start a game again? I don't think he ever started a game again. No, I don't think if so. He did, it was an accident. Uh, so, it's it's one of the reasons too why you know the Vikings buying low with a sixth round pick to get Dobbs, and they also get a conditional seventh round pick from the Cardinals. Like that's good use of draft currency. Yeah, like it, it's it's nothing. It's like yeah, and now now it's the pick swapped. I, this is this is the new thing now. <laughs> yep, we're gonna swap. We're not gonna give you. We're gonna exchange. Yeah, so we're gonna we're exchange sixth round picks. They're, it's a, they're taking how, a page. How we think of this player is we're we're yeah. willing to move back in the draft fifteen spots. This is that they, they take a page out of the NBA's book. Oh, which by the way, NBA in season tournament going on right now. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Feel it. Feel it. Yeah. And next week they're keeping Vikings Broncos because next week is truly garbage. I, I couldn't tell you the best. I don't know what they would have flexed in there. Raiders don't. I, Chargers, I don't know. There's not. Steelers. I guess Steelers Browns would have been the best option. Steelers Browns would have been where Vikings stay there. Yep. So they, did, they, did, they didn't flex any any game. You can flex two games between weeks five and ten. And then you can flex anything after that. So and, you always figure there's going to be a couple here. Ravens Chargers, they'll keep that. Well, so ESPN can, or Monday Night Football can flex up to two games now starting in week 12. Well, week 12 yes. just just happens to be Bears-Vikings. Please. It would, it, it would seem as though the that game would get flexed out. Unless the Vikings keep on this winning streak here and you get the Josh Dobbs story, the game there that, that makes the most sense to move would be Steelers-Bengals. Yes. Um, but I don't know if CBS would protect. That's the really the only game that week, because it's Thanksgiving week, so it's it's fewer games to choose from. Um, you know, I would say it'd be Steelers Bengals. That's a, but yeah. maybe they they want to wait. It depends on if this if if the Vikings keep winning or not. Week uh, fourteen stacking another Monday night doubleheader. Hmm. Packers and Giants. One they, of those games. They got to get that one off. That game will get moved. I uh, let's. Who would? And I, I don't think they're moving any of these. I mean, you got Ravens, Jacksonville coming up. Um, Chiefs, Patriots, please, for God's sakes. You've got Eagles, Seahawks in there. You got Jaguars, Browns, Week 14. Put that game in instead of Packers, Giants. A lot, a lot of options out there to get. Uh, you somebody posted, you know, is this the worst first half of an NFL season for, like, quality of games or you know, really, like, there hasn't been. And even, oh, what a game this was. Like, yeah, well, Eagles are always close. Chiefs, Chiefs win, but they're not fun to watch anymore. Like, oh, 21-14, Chiefs, well, that's... I like, I like the fewer points. I like that defenses are playing really well. I, I like that. And then uh, it, it's all right that some of these teams, with some of these quarterbacks that they're throwing out there, Jesus Christ, this is bad. Like the Giants, Tommy DeVito. <laughs> and then, you know, Arizona. And- yep. Some of these teams, you know, it's not uh, not good. No. Not good. Uh, no, it is not. Let's talk. Let's talk baseball, though. World Series is over. It was over in five games. Uh, a great pitchers duel in Game Five between Max Scherzer, 
No, no, I'm sorry. Nathan, e- Nathan Eovaldi. I'm sorry. It was Nathan Eovaldi and Zach Gallen. Gallen had a no-hitter through six innings. The Diamondbacks had at least one runner on through five innings but couldn't crack the Eovaldi code. And eventually, Texas broke through with three hits in the seventh. They got a run. What Mitch Garver, I think, got, got the hit that scored the run. They would tally four more on in the, the ninth inning. I think the Rangers win 5 nothing. They win the series 4-1. to one. It's their first World Series championship, so congrats to the Rangers. But that, that game, that game 5, it was just great pitching, and how Ivaldi got through as many jams as he did uh, was amazing. He was a magician, it seemed like, during that game. There was a one of the games he pitched against the Astros, whatever game it was. Nathan Evaldi was out. There was like the fifth inning. It was like bases loaded. There may have been nobody out. Maybe one out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe nobody out. Yeah. Or two out. Like he was in a tough spot more than any other situation. Like yeah, you're gonna pull your starter and go to the bullpen. He got out of it. He gave up like one run, and they, they were still in the lead, three to two or whatever the hell it was. And then they put him out there for the next inning, and he he may have given up one run the next inning, but he was fine. Like, yeah, he's your he's your best guy. Let him pitch. Let mm-hmm. him pitch. So he went six innings in that game, and he kept the game close. So then when the offense finally exploded, they ended up winning. So, yeah, good. He's, he's a much better playoff pitcher than he is. He's a good regular season pitcher, but he's a great playoff pitcher. So you had him, you had Jordan Montgomery, who they traded for from uh, the Cardinals. They got him from. I think so. Yeah. And he was he was as good as anybody. So they had those those two guys starting, and then just kind of pieced it together the rest of the way. And their offense was the best offense in the playoffs. They were the outside of Atlanta, they probably had the best offensive season of anybody. Yes. Yep. So, and that and that actually translated to the postseason. Eleven and zero on the road. That, Eleven and zero on the road. My never, God. never gonna be, never gonna be done again. Oh. Like that, that's almost an impossible record that that will be broken. It, I don't think it will. It's a, it, can't, it can't be. It can only be uh, only be tied. You can't you can't break out. You can't break that. I don't think you can win one, two, three, four, five, six. You can't break that. I don't think so. Very impressive first World Series. They signed all these guys a couple years ago, and they were awful. They signed Corey Seager. It's like, what are you doing signing him? You're not anywhere close to being ready to compete. Mm-hmm. They signed Marcus Simeon. They signed you know Degrom. They traded for Scherzer. Like, man, they are spending money, and I don't think this is going to work. And it ended up working. And Degrom had nothing to do with it, and Scherzer had very little to do with it. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, their offense was excellent. Corey Seager, that was, he was he was great. And yet, so the ratings weren't great. Average about nine point one million. But you know, it was fine. Again, game one was fantastic, and I really liked what happened in game five through those six innings. I was hoping the Diamondbacks would win. Uh, I wanted them to win this series, but ultimately it didn't happen. But there is some bigger news out of baseball here, and it is the stunning decision. By Craig Council, Milwaukee Brewers manager. He there's talk like, okay, Council's gonna leave, and the the prevailing thought was, oh, he's going to the, go to the Mets, and he's just trying to you know get a little more money out of the deal. 
And then stunning news that he is leaving the Brewers for the Chicago Cubs. And the Chicago Cubs are letting go of their manager, David Ross, who was a fan favorite, uh, helped win that. It was on the team that won the World Series for the Cubs, the first World Series in over a century for them. And so Council just goes right down you know, the, the interstate there, crossing the state line to a division rival. Uh, Brewers fans are up in arms about this. There has been graffiti placed on, like, on uh, Craig Council Park uh, or, you know, field or whatever. And ownership was taken aback by it. And they're like, okay, you've, you've done irreparable harm by doing this. I feel as though that is an overreaction. But I can understand how the Brewers feel absolutely used and all of a sudden like he's going to a division rival like this is a very very bizarre hiring and just the way that everything kind of led to this what are your thoughts on the whole situation i don't know his contract ran out so did they not want him i think they wanted him like obviously he didn't want to stay there so, obviously, they were the Brewers were stunned by the move, as everybody else was. Everybody likes Craig Council. It's a manager, for Christ's sake. You know, it's, you know, nice to have a good one. Sucks to have a bad one. So, I wouldn't get too bad out of shape if I was the Brewers. Be like, all right, we can, we can replace. Should they hire David Ross now? Ah, that'd be, that'd be great. That'd be great. So, it sucks for David Ross, but they... Probably should have made the playoffs this year. Their, their September was not very good. So, Craig Council, three years, $40 million. That's like a deal the Mets would give you. Yeah. So, that, that's by far the highest paid manager for a guy that, you know, he's done fine with the Brewers. They you know, make the playoffs most, most of the time. So, the Cubs, they, you know, Cubs were, were decent last year. I can't name very many managers anymore um but i wouldn't put craig council as top three or top five managers in the game apparently i i, I would assume he is or people if you take a poll i would i would imagine he would have to be at this at this point well i given the money he's i mean he's paid as such i just don't know if you want know i mean bruce bochy comes to mind um is better. Uh, everyone, yeah. I, I, honestly, after I mean, after that, you know, Dusty Baker. I mean, Dusty Baker. Wherever he went, they were always good. But but he's retired now, so he retired now. So you know, yeah. You don't look like oh, you know, Buck Walter didn't do well with the Mets, but usually he does well. Yep. Aaron Boone went with the Yankees. This next year appears to be it for him, unless they make a significant run. So. Uh, Terry Francona retired. Yep. So there's a, a, a what, Red Sox. They're uh, Indians. They, they filled their spot. There's so, uh, a Doug Melvin. He was the Padres manager. He went to the Giants. Yeah. So uh, a week or two ago, and the Padres didn't. Like, oh, yeah, fine. And the Giants asked them to interview him. They said, yeah, sure, whatever. And they hired him. Like, All right, I'm gonna. But see, and I, I, I mean, that at least there was some, okay, some notification 
of I don't think David Ross was aware that he wasn't going to be back with the Cubs. Like he hadn't been fired yet. I didn't think Craig Council was going to be like. Why wouldn't you? They obviously think highly of him. If you're the Brewers, why are you not signing him? This is this this is a, this is on Milwaukee. Yeah, like he. This is why you never get to that last year of the contract. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't need to give him a fucking ten year extension like they do in college. But let's you know if you want the guy. Let's keep him wrapped up for a year or two. So that's it. That was a, a stunner, I guess, for a lot of folks. Uh, let's go to college football here. Uh, unless oh, you have any the hot stove, you don't got to turn it on yet. Yep, yep. No, nope. but the Dr. Wood splitter is getting. You know, maybe you know you got a few hours after work. You got a few hours. Like maybe chop a few uh, a few logs just to keep uh, keep pace. The DR wood splitter is in the shop. It's getting wind, uh, it's getting oiled up. Uh, just making sure that we're ready for the winter ahead. But yes, uh, we're, we're 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 prepared. We're preparing for the hot stove. MLB trade rumors always a good website. They put out their predictions for their top free agents. Uh, Shohei Otani. What 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 is your what is your what is your guess for what they've got? Shohei Otani doing and going. Amin thought it was a bit high with some of these prices that we we maybe discussed. Where does Shohei Otani go, and, and what what does he get? I want him to go to Seattle. That's where right. I want him to go. I don't know if that's where he lands. I feel as though it's going to be the Dodgers. And they I had think three, they had three guys pick all of these, and they all picked the Dodgers. And I feel like it's going to be a seven-year, $500 million deal. Twelve years for five forty-eight. Huh. So, probably double-digit in years, probably $500. I really want him to go to Seattle. That's where I want Shohei to go. I'm sure they'll be in the mix. They got Cody Bellinger at number two. Twelve years for 264 He's who I would like the Twins to get. Yep. And he, MVP, rookie of the year, he was great this year, but he had that year or two stretch where he was just terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, I like him, but I'm not going to give him 12 years and that much money. Right. Because I am, you know, who says he doesn't revert back to that? Too much of a risk there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of Japanese pitchers. Yamamoto stacking. Yamamoto is going to get big money, uh, probably from the Giants or the uh, Yankees. So, Yamamoto. The Twins have Sonny Gray. Four years, $90 million. They've got him uh, projected at. Okay. They've got Jordan Montgomery, who we talked about with the Rangers. He's up six years, 150 I saw that it like there's some prevailing thought that the Twins are going to p- trade some position players for pitching, and I saw Matt Walner was one. I thought Walner was pretty good. Like, don't wouldn't they want to keep him around? Kepler and Polanco, they picked up their options for about ten, ten and a half million, and those two would seem to be prime to be traded. I would hope to God. So, buying players, I've seen enough, especially with Kepler, uh, Walner. He was hot and cold. I wouldn't be sad if he left. But if you get rid of Kepler, Walner's probably a guy that would take his spot. So, if you're trading Kepler, you want to probably keep Matt Walner. I would hope so. I would hope. Twins, Twins have a five-guy you know, five rotation now. There's not a lot of depth in the minors. So, you, and they like to trade. Offseason, they've been all about the trading. 
So they've got uh, they've got Pablo Lopez, they've got Joe Ryan, they've got Bailey Over, they've got Louis Varlin, they've got Chris Paddock. Those are their five right now. If that's their five. Well, let's get let's keep Sonny Gray if possible. I I don't see that happen. I think he's moving on. Um. So do you sign a guy? If, if those are your five, it's a fine five. But I would I would almost like Louis Varland and Chris Paddock to stay in the bullpen. If they were to do that, then I think your bullpen would be a real strength. Kentamaeda is out there. Feel like maybe you could resign him. Mm-hmm. And do you make a trade for some other other guy? So they don't need to make a move, but I, I would like them to make a move, and they've been pretty active these last couple of years. So we'll see what happens. I mean, position-wise, there's really nowhere to put another. You know, you need a center fielder. Mm-hmm. You need a center fielder. We, 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 we are aware of that. So uh, Mitch Keller is a guy, a pitcher for the Pirates that I wouldn't mind. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. You know, Pablo Lopez grade was great. Uh, gr- trade was great. Yes. Uh, Looks like Sonny Young, Sonny Gray is probably going to finish third in the Cy Young, I would think. So that's a great, another good trade. So, uh, got a few weeks here. We'll, we'll get past Thanksgiving and we'll, and we'll sort it out. Okay, that sounds good. I will make sure that the DR Wood splitter is ready by then. And we will be uh, sawing logs and uh, keeping that fire, that uh, that hot stove nice and toasty right. throughout the year. Let's, go to, let's jump to college football here. Uh... Battle of Bedlam, final uh, installment of the series for a while. Uh, Oklahoma State put the nail in the coffin of Oklahoma's playoff hopes, which is absolutely fantastic. Oklahoma State remains alive for a spot in the coll- or in the uh, Big 12 championship game. Uh, but I was really in- enthralled with what took place in the 6.30 p.m. Central Time window, roughly that time, with Washington and USC and then LSU at Alabama. The quarterback play in all four of these games was spectacular. Or The four quarterbacks in these two games, the play was spectacular. Michael Penix Jr. was the worst of the four, I think, and that's only because his running back ran for 256 yards and two touchdowns against something that I think USC has resembling a defense, if there is a defense there. Maybe... Ed Donatel will take over there because, uh, oh, Ionatel. Ionatel. Uh, but that was a great game. I'm very happy Washington won. I was, I was a little nervous that given what had transpired over the last couple of weeks, that they weren't going to beat USC, but they remain undefeated. And that Jaden Daniels and Jalen Milrow battle back and forth was fantastic. If LSU could just figure out defense at all, they're almost as bad as USC. And they lose that game 42-28, which is unfortunate. Daniels also got hurt in it. Um, he's sensational. I would, I, I, I hope he gets drafted in the NFL. I hope he's a good pro quarterback because he's, he's dynamite. He is exciting. Um, but Alabama, their college football playoff hopes remain uh, strong. Texas survived Kansas State. Uh but those two games, highlight of the weekend, outside of, of course, the Dakota Mark game, which we'll get to here in a second. This was the best week of college football all year. Okay. Hello? 
Yep, yep, yep. I, I, you know, a couple weeks ago, they were, oh, this is great, and then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Well, this was the best weekend that there's been. In Washington, USC, 52-42. It was tied at 42 going into the fourth quarter. You had Texas, Kansas State going to overtime. Really big upset there. You had LSU, Alabama, competitive into the second half. Mm-hmm. You, had, you had the Oklahoma game. You had Old Miss, Texas A&M, 38-35. Yes. That came down to the end. Yep. You had Clemson, Clemson beat Notre Dame. Tyler in South Carolina, very happy about that. They're not, they're bowl bound or not. I mean, this was the best weekend of game. You had Missouri give Georgia a game. Mm-hmm. Rutgers give Ohio State a game. Mm-hmm. This was, this is what I've been waiting for. Give me something. Give me exciting games. Give me good finishes. Give me something. Well, this and week you had a half dozen of these. When most weeks you're well, maybe there was two. No, this, this was the best week of college football that we've had. Well, hopefully this next week then delivers because you got Michigan at uh, Penn State at noon Eastern on Fox. You have then uh, Utah at Washington. Can Washington? That's a tough test coming up against Utah. Uh, Tennessee, Missouri, fine, it, whatever. Ole Miss at Georgia, that's got a lot of implications on it. And then uh, we got USC at Oregon. Is Can Oregon, uh, you know, stave off, you know. I think, I think Oregon should win that game by a good point. They should, but you never know now that USC has fired their defensive coordinator. So there are a lot of great games this week as well that hopefully can can live up to the expectations. This week, not not for me. Not for me. Miss, Michigan. Uh, Big Ten coaches are up very upset. The ADs are upset. They want action taken against Michigan. The Big Ten has sent a letter to Jim Harbaugh or to Michigan saying there is a potential for um, punishment to be doled out. We'll see if that happens. Michigan says be ready for a fight then, a legal battle. Sure, whatever. This thing is uh just continues to get weirder and weirder and boy nothing like unifying uh the michigan unifying uh not necessarily a country but a conference against them by what they did i i hope michigan gets um punished for this uh somewhat severely we'll see if that happens or not but uh they're they're making a lot of enemies that's for sure Nine out of ten teams cheat, and one that doesn't is in last place. Michigan, Michigan claiming that Ohio State, Purdue, and Rutgers shared signs with each other. So they're getting blamed for doing something in which other teams have done themselves with each other. Purdue, according to this, ESPN, Purdue received the offensive signals from Ohio State and defensive signals from Rutgers. Which is what this whole thing is about, stealing the signs of your opponent. Can we just go back to, like, just normal coaching and just make the best so, team uh, win? Uh, so Purdue got the Michigan calls. They got the, the Michigan offensive signals from Ohio State. And Purdue got the defensive Michigan calls from Rutgers. And it was Purdue and Michigan in the Big Ten title game 
last year. Mm-hmm. So if this is true, what do you, you, you what do you do? Nothing's going to come out of this because this is one not a big deal. Two, if this is true, something that happens. Ohio State called Purdue said, "Yeah, this is what they do on offense." Rutgers called Purdue. Yeah, this is what their signs are on defense. Is that uh, to me that is worse than what Michigan did? It's all bad. Well, at least Michigan had a guy in person doing it. All right, at least do your own sign stealing. Don't call up Ohio State and say, "Hey, what do you got for us on Michigan?" Okay. Yeah, I mean it, it's all bad. All every one of these teams, the Big Ten, what a fucking joke! Just a joke. I, mean, I saw the Rutgers game. Rutgers fumbles twice inside the fifteen, inside the twenty. Again, Ohio. Quit, quit putting Ohio State number one. Yep. They're not making. I don't think they're making the playoffs. Quit putting them number one. They're not. They're, they are not even a top five team. So that's stupid to begin with. Well, it, it, it doesn't help that Notre Dame losing to Clemson makes that Notre Dame win a little less. And you know that's not going to be a factor because they never go back. And so Notre Dame, probably not a top 20 team. You barely beat them in just a dog shit of a game. Mm-hmm. That's not going to They beat Notre Dame. Great. Notre Dame's going to fucking finish with eight wins. Great, great season for Notre Dame. Like it is, you, you, do they watch these fucking games? Yeah, you, sometimes you oh, wonder, right? Rutgers, that was a fucking battle up until the fourth quarter. And Rutgers just let it slip away. Mm-hmm. And two two fumbles inside the red zone. Can't happen. And then uh, whoever was on the game was like, well, you're not going to beat Ohio State with two goals because Rutgers kept getting the ball inside the 10. And they, they kick a field goal. They kick the second. They kick the third. What was it, 9-7 at halftime they led? And like, are you watching this Ohio State offense? When, when are they going to score? And they really did. They had a pick six, and, and their offense by was no means dynamite. It was better in the second half. Yeah, a 93-yard like, oh. pick six to give them the lead. Like, Rutgers could have been up 12-7 at that point. And that uh, they should have been up 16-7. Yeah. 16-7, you're up by nine points in the third quarter. That was the big turning point in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're not going to beat Ohio State with field goals. Well, you have you seen the offense? Have you watched their quarterback play? He's not very good. Right. Their, their defense is their defense outstanding. Their, de- their defense, I have no issues with that. Mm-hmm. But week in and week out, it's Ohio State. Like, no, they're not number one. I agree. They're not. I agree. They, you know, you put a gun to my mouth, I'm picking Georgia. You know, some somebody beat them. Somebody, you know, you, you can't trust Michigan. Florida State's good. I don't think Florida State's beating Georgia. So we know. do know who's number one at the FCS level. That's the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, who retained the Dakota marker for the fourth straight year. It's their fifth straight win against North Dakota State. They beat them thirty-three to sixteen. A game that I thought was closer than the final score indicated, given that. The Bison had an interception in the red zone and had a field goal blocked. Like, you never... Like, then they, they started out the game really well. I was a little um, disappointed by the way the Jackrabbit defense played those first two drives, and then they, they tightened things up after that, which was good. But um, this was far from the, the best game that SDSU has played, uh, settling for too many field goals, but... For them to be able to move the ball like they did down the Bison's throat, uh, I mean, it just it 
just tells you how much better SDSU is than everybody else in the conference. And now Montana State with a second loss, it's like, okay, who is SDSU going to face come, uh, hopefully, Frisco? I mean, anything could happen, I suppose, in the playoffs, but uh, it, it certainly seems like SDSU has separated themselves even more so after this week. North Dakota State's had some good teams. We'll see how the playoffs end up. At least North Dakota State, for maybe the last five years of their run, at least SDSU, were, they were competitive with them and they could beat them. Mm-hmm. And nobody really else could. Like Montana State, I'm still weary playing them again because the first one was... I mean, they could easily lost that one. I agree. I agree. Well, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to play Montana State. Anybody else? Yeah, sure. Like, when USD gets up to four, like, come on. Furman is two. I mean, come on. They, they, they win for USD, but if, if, if they are a top-ten team, then this is a down-down. If you're, if you're beating USD by 35 points, and they're a top the top ten, the committee better put Montana State on the opposite side of the bracket. If they had any uh, common sense, they would. I would hope so. You got Youngstown, Youngstown State this week. Yeah, I feel like you, that's a bit of a trap game, given that it's just, I mean, it feels like a little bit of a trap coming off of two uh, emotional rivalry games. It's an early kickoff, but I, I think they should win. I mean, Youngstown State barely beat Indiana State, and Indiana State's terrible. So, I, I don't think you know, I don't think this team is prone to let down. Like this last week would could have been a letdown. It wasn't. Yep. Yep. Like there, 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 there's no weakness. They don't have a weakness at all. They are. If they if they finish this thing undefeated, put them up there with any North Dakota State team that ever won. I agree. I like, agree. Furman, Furman's at number two. Yeah, let's let's play Furman. Let's see how that game ends up. Yeah. Sure. Why USD's went back up to six? Yeah. Um. Outside of Montana State, there's nobody. There's nobody there. I'd agree with that. Um. You let's let's go here before we jump to uh, college basketball. What last week in our What's that? How do you do in the pitch? Uh, game of the week, Washington uh, against USC. That that you nailed that upset of the week. You picked USC over Washington. Um, yeah. Close. No cigar and watch your ass game of the week. Notre Dame against Clemson and Rutgers against Ohio State. So I would say that's very good overall. Really, really, really wanted the Rutgers. Really wanted that Rutgers. I think we all did. I think America wanted it. What do we got this week? Kansas might be ten and two. Kansas. Kansas has remaining. Uh, they've got Texas Tech. They should be Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got Kansas State. That'll be tough. Yep. It's at home. And then they're at Cincinnati. They will beat Cincinnati. At worst, Kansas will be nine and three. I agree. So good, yeah. The, the Big Twelve, with the you, know, you got the bull bound or not, some of these though it's like okay, who's going to be in the Big Twelve title game? Mm-hmm. You have five teams at four and two. You assume Oklahoma State's going to lose here at some point. 
or Texas, it would be Texas against Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma. Like who? Who's going to come out? And there's, there's it's impossible to. Well, this team's going to be. I mean, there's seven teams in the. Thing. I mean, Oklahoma State's still in 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 the mix. Game of the week: Utah, Washington. Like if Washington wins that, I think they're in the clear. Okay. At Oregon State, no, no, thank you. So, if they can beat Utah, they should be twelve and zero. So, game of the week right there. Like Old Miss is ten. That's like USD being ten. Like <laughs> Old Miss, Old Miss will go ten and two, for, and they'll get put them, give them in the Sugar Bowl. Good season, but and they'll get slaughtered there. Yeah. Upset, I, I just I just keep waiting for Texas to, to do what they do. They're at TCU this week. Give me give me TC over Texas. Just I'll just pick them every week until it happens. Okay. And the watch your ass game of the week. Uh, Oklahoma State better watch their ass except the four. Coming off the big win. You got the big twelve, you got a yeah, you got a big twelve title game right in your Right in your vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, look out for Central Florida. So, All right. and Air Force, Air Force messied themselves quite terribly. Yes, they did. Uh, it opens the door, I think, Tulane to to run through it again. Louisville's eight and one. They're thirteen. I'm not going to sign my nets. Come on. Louisville's number thirteen. Agreed. Penn State, do something. You always lose the big game, Penn State, and this is the biggest game you've got. So. You know. Do America a favor and beat Michigan. I'm not fine with Michigan. I don't want Michigan to lose to Ohio State. Oh, I don't either. I think Michigan will beat Ohio State. But if we can just do what everyone wants and just get Michigan out of the playoff conversation. by You got Alabama. Alabama at Kentucky. Alabama's going to finish 11-1. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to find themselves back in the college football play. They, they, that was, I wanted LSU to win because of that. I wanted LSU to win so we wouldn't have to have Alabama in the college football playoff conversation. Somebody beat them. Somebody beat them. They're not getting beat. Right now, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State. Are you in agreement with those three? Uh, uh, you like you like probably like Washington. I like Washington over Florida State this week, just because the Washington's win was more impressive than Florida State beating Pitt or Pittsburgh by seventeen. So who's, your, who's your four? I would put Washington. I would take just sub Washington out for. I would put Georgia. I would put Michigan. I'd put Ohio State. And I would put uh, Washington. How do you think it's going to end up? At the at the end, like not this week, but yeah, overall, overall, Georgia won. What happens? I what happens if Oregon beats Washington? Um, it depends on how the how it all goes down in the Big Ten. Okay, Michigan, Michigan wins it. Michigan wins it. If Michigan wins out, Michigan's in. Uh, we got Georgia, Michigan, and Florida State. They're going to all be there. Yes. I mean, three undefeated teams. I don't think have we ever had three undefeated teams. I don't believe so. So who's going to get? You know. So that's and then there's the one. Is it Texas? 
Is it uh, Oregon? I think it it would depend on the... If, if Oregon wins by a touchdown or more in a neutral site Pac-12 championship game, I think I would have to tend to give it to Oregon over Washington in part because of the entire body of work. Washington. Why Ohio State loses to Michigan by a field goal? I'll, uh, nope, Ohio State doesn't deserve it. The Pac-12 has been the best conference in college football this year. So no, I'm no. down there. There's like nine teams that are about. I would rather nine. have a one-loss Ohio State team in than an undefeated Florida State team. I can tell you that right now. I think Oregon's got a real good shot. Don't don't shit yourself. I agree. Oregon, if or I mean if Oregon wins out, they'll be in. Just don't. Seems like Oregon always loses that game. So, right now, like Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Oregon, Texas, go to hell. And, um, you know, Alabama could throw a wrench in, you know, what a, what a mess. You feel mm-hmm. like Georgia, if Georgia gets to the title game, they'll be in it. So, what a mess Alabama could could make. And, I mean, I, I feel like that's the only thing that keeps the Pac-12 out. Would be if Alabama that, beats Georgia? Yes, and if that happens, well, then, check. Yeah. As long as Washington and Oregon don't lose here for the next few weeks. I mean, I look at Washington's schedule, though. They are they host Utah, they're at Oregon State, and then they host Washington State. That is a much more difficult path. And that's why I, I think I told Charlie this last week, that I thought Washington needed that game against USC so much more because of the schedule ahead. Whereas Oregon has USC at home this week. They should win that one. They're at Arizona State. They should win that one. And then they finish at home with Oregon State. A very good Oregon State team, but it's still at home. Like Their schedule is a little easier than Washington's coming down the stretch. You can't trip up at Oregon State. Oregon State's got both of these teams. You know, They beat one of them. Oregon State's good. I said it at the beginning of the year. I was high on Oregon State, and they have not disappointed me, uh, apart from that loss at Arizona. And Washington, they, they got to play better. They had you know, a rough stretch there. Winning, but barely. Yeah, and that's why I think if it came down to it, it would depend on the how the Pac-12 championship game would play out. A one-loss Washington or a one-loss Oregon team. Given Oregon's entire body of work, I would le- I would lean towards them, especially if they won by a touchdown or more. Well, you got Louisville. No. If, if Louisville can win at Miami next week, they should play Florida State. Miami's not good, so. No, no. They've got, I mean, and you got Louisville just kind of out there like in the weeds. If they were to lose, then who knows who the hell get in, so. Last I thought last week was was excellent, excellent college football. Exciting finishes, really no upsets, but things happened. He had he had more than one game out of one. So, all right, I want to watch both of these games. Mm-hmm. So that was something that has rarely happened. Agreed, agreed. Let's go to the college hardwood. The college basketball season has started. Um, excited that the, this is the. Uh, why why don't we start on Monday? What? It always used to be that Tuesday at that, that yes. first. 
Why yeah. are we Why are we just starting on a random Monday? I, I don't know. I don't like it. Um, this is really the last year of college basketball, you know, college athletics in general because of all the conference realignment and stuff. Yeah, the Pac-12 not being around next year in all likelihood. What are we going to do with those three Pac-12 teams that always make the What are we going to do with Arizona and UCLA? I don't know. It makes the Big 12 that much better of a basketball conference, though. It does. Um, so, interesting to see what happens there. I, I got my college basketball preview post uh, up on the blog here on Tuesday, uh, I, the, the, and this is why you, I want to try and get it out ahead of the, the season because you have this amazing result with James Madison beating Michigan State in you know in Sparty like in overtime. It's a huge upset. Tell him. And I think that I, I'm still picking Michigan State for the Final Four. I think I love their recruiting class. I think they they have a really good chance to do it. I'm not going to be swayed by one loss to James Madison, but it does kind of factor in a little bit. Uh, I love Duke. I, I don't love Duke, but I love Duke to make the Final Four this year. Uh, Kyle Filipkowski's back. That's that's very significant. They have a lot of good. They got they picked up a huge recruit. This Cooper Flag from Maine uh, coming in next year. That's huge. Uh, Kansas, Hunter Dickinson is is uh, they got him in the transfer portal. I think Kansas is going to be magnificent this year. And then it's that last team. It's like a, who who could you pick? I I really wanted to go with Florida Atlantic, but that's that's already been done. I think that's going to be a little more difficult for them this year. USC was interesting to me. Because of you know LeBron James' son, but we don't know if he's going to play or how much he's going to play because of that heart issue that he had uh, earlier in the in the summer when he collapsed on the court at practice. So I don't know about that. Um, I don't. I, I can't pick Marquette. I can't pick Shaka Smart. I want to. You got to prove to me that you can withstand success and win a game. But I, I really like Marquette. I I just couldn't quite take them. Uh, staying away from Purdue for obvious reasons. Zach Eadie's a great player, but Purdue just lost to a 16 seed. So, no, they're gone. Arizona, prove it to me. They lost to a 15 seed last year. Prove it that you can do something. So, they're out. UCLA lost a lot of talent. Jaime Jaquez is with the Heat. They No, can't pick UCLA. Baylor, I just refuse. Um, the Big Ten, I think, is going to be a little worse this year than we've seen in previous years. So, I think Kentucky's right up there in the mix. But I went with an old favorite. So, you went Duke, Michigan State, Kansas? Yes, those are, those are three of the final four. An old favorite. Are they in Pennsylvania? No. No, I did not. Nope, I'm not going with Villanova. Are they in North Carolina? They may be, yes. They may be in North Carolina. All right. I think it's redemption for Armando Baycott and the Tar Heels. I uh, I, I think they've, they've got a few guys in. I think last year was just whatever happened, happened. They don't want – I think that's one of the reasons why Baycott came back is it was just a bad taste 
of not getting to the NCAA tournament after you know losing in the national championship game. So I think North Carolina is going to figure it out. I'm taking them against the grain. This is the wild card in all of this. I could have easily taken Kentucky. I could have gone with a Big East school. I could have gone somewhere else, but I'm going with the Blue Blood in, in North Carolina. So the two teams I feel the most confident in are Kansas and Duke, and that's my national championship game, and I'm taking Kansas to beat Duke in the national championship game. Um, and if I have... It, I may have to skip that one. Kansas and Duke. I know, I know. It, you couldn't have picked two worst goddamn teams. I know, I know, but that I just... It's just kind of how I see, you know, Duke getting, you know, Kyle is great. And Hunter Dickinson going to, to Kentucky or to Kansas already mixed in with a good team. I, I just don't know how, again, Kansas disappoints a lot, but they won a national championship here, what, two years ago, like against UNC. It's just, I'm just kind of sensing it, how everything is kind of laid out. Last year... Three of the four teams weren't even in the preseason top 25. Right, and that's why I don't feel good about it, but... The year before, it was Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, Villanova. So, what happened the last time a team lost as a sixteen? Um, did they even, they didn't, uh, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't want to take, I, I believe, believe you me, Zach, and believe you. And I'm not going to pick Purdue because let's get, let's get, let's be fucking real. Okay. Phew. I, was... I don't, I don't want to pick Purdue. Is why they all would go. Yeah. We so, were at that final four again when we saw Virginia. Complete the ultimate yeah. turnaround title, as uh, Jim Nance called it. Unbelievable. So I, I don't, I don't want to. So, eh, you know, Marquette was kind of my team last year. I saw them early. I'm like, this is a team that not getting a lot of attention. They don't got that one big superstar. They're a pretty solid team. They got a couple transfers. I guess everybody's got a couple transfers. So Marquette was good. What they lose in the they lose in the second round? Yep. So that was and that's why I didn't like Texas. And that's what Shaka Smart does. They don't they don't live up to expectations. Yeah. So Marquette, what are they? Uh, top five or somewhere somewhere near there? Yeah, so, four. Uh, no, not four. Um, uh, where are they at? Uh, let's see. They are in a tier. They're five. They're number five. Number five. Uh, Connecticut, I did not like them early in the year, and then they grew on me, I think. I had them in the Final Four. Maybe in the championship, but did they... No, they turned it on. They, they, were, you know, they, were, they were very good. So you try not to let last year influence what you got going on this year. Well, especially with guys leaving for the NBA draft and the transfer portal and everything like that. Kansas, they always disappoint. Not picking Kansas. Not picking Marquette. You know, Duke, not picking Duke. Not picking Purdue as we make our way down the list here. Not picking Michigan State. Um... 
North Carolina. I want to watch them again this year because it, it's got it has to be better. It's impossible for it not to be better than it was. Mm-hmm. Just watch them early last year. They, well, something was wrong. I don't what 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 was I? Don't, nobody knows. You brought everybody back. Mm-hmm. Like you went on this great tournament run, but they weren't very good in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Well, they beat Duke at the end, and they went on a run. Or they were they an eight seed or whatever they made it as. And I watched a little bit of them last night. Got to finish that game. So yeah, it did just not where They lost in triple overtime to Altsburger in Portland, and that was that was a good early season game. But they just never found it. Mm-hmm. What they needed to get going. Arizona lost to a 15 seed last year. You just like you never trust Arizona, right? So, so what, what do you do, Zach? And what do you? Do? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I went with Creighton last year, and I do think Creighton's good. I I almost went with Creighton again this year. Um, Baylor. Kentucky hasn't made it in a long time. Gonzaga's time has passed. Yep. Who knows? I really like Creighton. Uh, the, the Trey Alexander is great. Uh, Ryan Cockbrenner is there. Uh, of course, Baylor Shireman another year. So I, I do think Creighton is going to be factoring. I almost put Creighton in as well. It would have been, um, you know, Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic is going to be really good too. Uh, but I, all, I did consider putting Creighton in there in that fourth slot. Uh, one of my teams will be Creighton. Okay. Uh, Purdue, it's like, Jesus, like they should. They should be there. Purdue should be there. I can tell you right now, don't take Tennessee. Don't take Tennessee. Mm. Final four. God. Oh, I mean, uh, Creighton. I know it's tough. This is tough. I like, you get pick the top team. But I don't want. To Give me Creighton and Marquette. Ooh. Maybe Creighton and Marquette. Give me Houston. Okay. I can't pick Purdue, though I would. I want to pick Arizona. Jesus Christ. This is tough. Try Purdue. Try Purdue. See what, we'll see what they do. Well, I'm not trying every same year. Don't take these teams. I'm not taking these guys. I... I if, if they make it, I wouldn't feel bad at all not picking them. Mm-hmm. But if they do what they usually do, I'm like, yes, that's why we're not doing it. Exactly. Mar- Marquette, Houston, Creighton, Pac-12 is going to go out with a bang. Give me Colorado. Colorado. Ooh. Colorado men's basketball. All right. Coach Prime and his uh, influence. Coach Prime is going to lead them to the final four. Very good. I like it. 
It's bold. It's it's bold. That's what we like. Um, so, the Radio MIT, they won a game. They were 17 and 16. They're receiving votes. I have no idea why. Um, Colorado, that'll be... Should that be my team? Or, or, or without seeing a damn thing, give me a Colorado to be my... My Marquette early on and Phil until otherwise. Okay. They, they have a pretty easy schedule, looks like. They've got Grambling, Milwaukee, Richmond, Iona, Colorado State, Pepperdine. Uh, that's 7-0, 8-0. So they, um, unless they're in some tournament here, they got Miami. That'll be tough. But I think uh, Colorado should win a bunch of games early because they don't play anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, their conference, not very tough. So give me uh, the Colorado bubble. Okay. Miami's also another team that's made a couple of Final Fours here recently. Uh, Jim Laranek has done a really good job there. You know, if they get in, watch out. They could be dangerous. But I like that. Creighton, Houston, Marquette, and Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. So that's a that's very good. Um, SDSU should be very good again this year, or they should be very good this year. They did lose to Akron, a team that is projected to uh, to win the MAC, the the Mid American Conference. It sucks that they don't have Matt Mims uh, likely out for the majority of the non conference play. But I th- I still COVID. What's that? COVID. No, the foot. Oh. Um. So that sucks. I, I don't know. I think he would have made a difference in that game against Akron. They hung around there, though. Very tough. Uh, hopefully they can string together some wins against good teams in the non-conference. I know they play Kansas State. How about beat UCF? I'm more into to that in the Jacksonville Classic. Beat Wyoming. Beat UTEP. Beat some of these teams. Um, Zeke Mayo's great. Uh, the rest of the Summit League is awful. Uh, it sucks that these games won't be on ESPN Plus because of the ridiculous media deal that the uh, league has signed with the Midco Sports in their app and then also the CBS Sports Network. But we know if at least they'll see a few nationally televised games. But SDSU should be good, and I think they run away with the Summit League title. And uh, as for the women, I'll take them. Uh, injuries are certainly piling up for them, which is not good, but... They will ultimately prevail as well. The men aren't very deep. Matt Moore's is not nearly as good as I thought he'd be. I thought he would be one of the best players in the conference. He's not even one of the five best players on his own team. Mm-hmm. So Matt Moore's, he's only a sophomore, but a huge disappointment there. Kalen Gary started last night. He's a freshman. The redshirt, redshirt freshman from DeSmith. A lot of high hopes for him, too. He was one of the, you know, as a senior, he was the guy. He was He was really good at DeSmith. He was the, he was the player of the year. So he, he's a, he's a big-time guy from Class B, and now with the big boys, he started last night. Only scored six points. So you got a redshirt Freshman starting, that's, you know, that's something. And my concerns about the men, the women, I have no concerns because they're the women. They're just going to, they're not as deep as they have been because of these injuries, so 
that's disappointing. I know, you know, this isn't a, you know, this is a make the NCAA tournament as a 12 seed, and then all right, that's about it. I don't see them making any tournament runs. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, you know, you're, you're without two of your better players. So, you know, Haley Timmer probably would have been the, would have been maybe your best player on this team, but, uh, Paige Meyer, she should be good. I'd be conference player of the year. Paige Meyer, Brooklyn, or Mayor, Mayor, that'll be that'll be difficult. Mm-hmm. So, a rebuilding year for the women in which they will win the Summer League again with like three losses and make the NCAA tournament. So, so no, no, no Meyer selling to no, uh, maybe, maybe a Sweet 16, you know, We'll have to see where we're things stand. A lot of good recruits coming next year that I've seen and I like. Maybe uh, maybe in a couple of years I'll be back at that. You know, Sweet 16 type one. Is that Avery Broughton? Is she going? Is she coming to SDSU? No, she's going to USD. Boo. I'm sure she'll uh, not play this year. She was not nearly as good once she tore her ACL for the second time. Oh, wow. That... So, unfortunate for her, but she... It appears she lost a little something, as you would expect. Uh, they've got a girl from Brandon Valley who's on the roster now. We'll see if she plays at all. She was pretty good. What the hell was her name? Hillary Barons. The Colonels beat her in her last ever game as a 12 seed to stun the Brandon Valley crowd. So, um, she's there. She's a six-foot She's a taller guard who can handle the ball, so that's exciting. Um, they got uh, Molly Abdu, who I really like. She's a senior at a woman. I think she'll be their point guard in future years. Okay. So we like another couple South Dakota girls, but yeah, not, not, not too exciting, especially with the men and how bad that conference is. It's just kind of like, eh. There, there's, there's nothing... No, there's nothing on the schedule that really pops out. Oh, I can't wait for this game. It's all right. Women play at South Carolina in a couple weeks. That probably won't go well. It would uh, have gone better if the injuries hadn't happened. It might It might be a tough night of conference for the women. At Gonzaga, at Creighton. They, they, they might get out of this like 5-5. Five and five. So it may not be a great start for the women. So. Perhaps not. We'll see. Any other thoughts on college basketball or anything else in general that we need to get to before we say so long? Got Baylor and Auburn tonight in Sioux Falls. They're really the only game going on. Oh, oh uh, LSU uh, women lost. So, oh, that's a shame. What Kim a Mulkey. shame! What a shame! What a shame for Bitchy McBitchface to lose the first game. <laughs> I don't like Iowa. But I hope Iowa beats the shit out of them. Oh um, yes, in the final four. Yes. You got Paige Becker coming back for UConn, so they'll be in the mix. Yep. I would watch. I would watch Iowa LSU reach. Oh, yeah. Anywhere along the line. Elite Eight, Final Four, wherever it may be. Mm-hmm. So give me that, because that would be... LSU, they, they made me care, I guess, in a bad way. To watch them lose, that's what, kind of what, what she does. So. Exactly right. Well, hopefully she does lose. 
Uh, with that, uh, I think that'll do it here, unless you have anything else before we say so long. Carson Wentz decided with the Rams. Gross. I had a couple people, hey, what about Carson Wentz or the Vikings? I would rather not. I'd rather eat dog shit. Yeah, probably. That sounds that sounds that more appetizing. Something. He's th- there's a reason why he's thirty years old and is not with him. Right. He's not any good. Mm-hmm. There's a, like I was just thinking of all the teams that could use a backup quarterback, and the Rams were among them. Like if you're the Bears, yeah, you need a backup quarterback. Carson wants no, no, thank you. All these teams, New England, the Giants, the Jets. None of these teams want Carson Wentz because he's not good enough to be an NFL quarterback. Isn't it kind of weird how it's kind of come full circle to a degree because Jared Goff was taken number one in the draft by the Rams and they trade him to Detroit for Matthew Stafford. Now the Rams get a Super Bowl, but now the number two overall pick in that draft is being signed to the uh, to the Rams to back up Matthew Stafford, who was traded, uh, you know, Goff trade. It's just a, kind of a weird kind of inter web of... Uh, Why did they not make a move on the trade deadline? They needed a quarterback. Why did they not make a move for somebody? Don't know. So we're going to pick up Carson Wentz who's been farming someone. He's been hunting deer, hunting pheasants, I'm sure, someone. <laughs> Probably. Martavis Bryant is signing with the Cowboys. That's he a- hasn't played football in five years. That doesn't make any sense. Do the Cowboys need a receiver? I don't know. Newly reinstated, so he was, I assume, for drugs or whatever Martavis Bryant did. He hasn't played since 2018, which seems like 25 years ago. So, pick him up on your fantasy squad. Oh, yeah. Yep, I'll get right on that. Get right on that. So, yeah. All right. Very good. Well, you have a great rest of your week, my friend, and uh, enjoy the nice weather. And enjoy the good college football. Hopefully we'll get this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Travis. Travis Crins joining me here. Sports Block Podcast. We covered a lot. Uh, We covered, of course, the Vikings and that amazing story. A lot of NFL talk, college basketball, college football, World Series. Congrats to the Texas Rangers. Uh, So much in there. And we will talk a lot of college basketball, of course, throughout the, the season. Here we'll keep talking college football, uh, we'll talk NFL, and we will talk more college football next with Charlie Hildebrand. He will give his thoughts on what happened last week, the great quarterback play, and uh, we'll play another edition of Bullbound or Not. That's coming up next on this week's edition, this elongated version of the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com or archive.org. Also on iTunes, just search Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis Crins on Twitter at Travis Crins. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. More college football talk next with the one and only Charlie Hildebrand and Bullbound or Not, second edition of this season. Coming up. Next here on the Sports Block Podcast. We continue here on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Lots uh, to talk about in the world of college football, and who better to do that with than my good friend? And uh, he's the, uh, works at the Northwest Iowa Review. It's Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, how's it going? Good, good. Things are going much better for me than they have been uh, USC's defense. For sure, for sure. We're going to tackle a lot more today uh, in this podcast, in this segment, than uh, USC's defense did against Washington Saturday night, so that's for damn sure. Um, Let's start there. 
I well, let's let's start with that that six thirty uh, p.m. Central Time window. We had LSU. just those games in general. Yeah, we had well, just that was that was a good window. Yeah, it was. A I mean, I don't know about every game, but the games I was following at least were were good. I there should say. there were four outstanding quarterback performances in two games. We had LSU and Jaden Daniels against Jaron Milrow and. And Alabama, and those two were lighting it up both on the ground and through the air. And then what uh, What Michael Penix Jr., and really, I would say out of the four quarterbacks, Michael Penix Jr. probably had the least impressive performance of him because Washington was able to just run the ball effectively. I mean, what, that Johnson kid had 256 yards rushing. I mean, that was... Absolutely. Washington, who was averaging like 105 rushing yards per game and cranked out, I forget what the final number was, but like 340 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, just And like seven and a half yards per carry. Why drop back to throw and you can get, you know, you can get three first downs every, or you can get two first downs every three carries you have. Well, I mean, and that's what kind of opened... The game or like the door for uh, for Penix to be able to throw it, but yeah, just an absolutely incredible job. Caleb Williams is great, but those two games in particular with those four quarterback performances, I don't know the last time that we've seen anything like it where you had to flip back and forth and try and just capture as many great moments that these quarterbacks were putting out as possible. Yeah, I, I, basically that's what I was going to say. I don't have an answer off the top of my head. I'm sure that there have been other games like that, and probably some that were better and even with more than two games. But it's been a while since I can remember, you know, like I said, I don't have an answer off the top of my head. That it was just like, oh, wow, both of these are, you know, two good ranked teams. I mean, good to varying degrees, but good teams with good players and fantastic quarterbacks just marching up and down the field in a way that was very uh, entertaining and fun to watch. One of, one of the things that makes college football uh, just interesting and fun to watch. I mean, you do get it at times at the end. You know, I suppose in some ways that was the kind of like the version of, of, you know, the witching hour on NFL Red Zone. You're right. With two games. Yep. And obviously, like, USC wasn't going to – advance at all anyway like they didn't have a shot at the college football playoff already with two losses but this was the nail in the coffin for them uh it was the I, nail- they still had a chance at making the uh the pac-12 title game they, they did mathematically they still do but they're not going to now right and this was the nail in the coffin for alex grinch i mean i don't know what lincoln riley has been waiting for this whole time they fired he finally fired the USC's defensive coordinator Alex Grinch, who came over with him. Well, from- Alex Grinch had Lee or had Lincoln Riley CDs in his car, so he was like, uh, "I found, you know, I can't fire him now. I'm never going to get those CDs back." Oh, you know, I spent a lot of time burning all those. That's oh. and you know, he just finally realized, you know, like you know what, I don't need the CDs. I can. There's many other ways I can get these songs now. I'm glad he I did it. Keep them employed just because of that. I'm glad he did it now and not like during the Christmas season because that would be you know a very Alex Grinch like move uh, to fire him at that time, but like he had to do it now. But at the same time, this is like far too little, too late, you know. And this was I thought a big test for Washington just because they hadn't played well since the the win against Oregon. Would they be able to go into the Coliseum? 
And would their defense be up to the challenge with the offense, which had been struggling? Would they be able? To, would they rise to the challenge? And they did. It was a it was a great win for them. The win against Oregon, I think, is still impressive, more impressive. But just to be able to handle USC and go down there and take care of business after two subpar weeks, I think that speaks volumes to the to this team. And I think they were out one of their top wide receivers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, something fun. I, I agree with everything you said. It is worth noting that you know they had two close games and everyone crapped all over Washington. Mm-hmm. And then they have another close game that just happens to be against USC, and everyone's like, oh, well, this close game's fine. I, I I do agree with your point, though, is that, you know, obviously USC's better, and had, or at least especially on offense, and, you know, still does, even though he's not going to win it this year, still has the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And, you know, I, I don't know that USC has a good home field advantage, but still, it's always tough to play on the road in conference play. I mean, I think we... Uh, in the Midwest, geographically speaking, sometimes forget how big those southern states are mm-hmm. area-wise. And it's like, oh, well, Washington's only two states away from California. It's like, well, yeah, but it's also northwestern, extreme northwestern Washington mm-hmm. down to southern California. I don't know how many miles or hours that is, but it's not like, oh, that's only a four- or five-hour drive. Like, I would imagine that's probably at least 18, if not more. Yes, so probably like a t- – yeah, I was going to say like five times that amount, five times four hours. It would be at least, I think, like a 20-hour drive. Yeah. Um. So, a big win for Washington. We're recording this on a Monday here, so we don't know the second ranking of the college football playoffs. Um, that hasn't been unveiled yet, but Washington was ranked fifth um, in the initial poll. Florida State was four. Florida State beat a bad pit team 24-7 in Pittsburgh. Struggled much of the game, too. So would you... A, a pit team that I think we would all say is not as good as USA. Right. I mean, they probably have a better defense than USC, but, you know, that's, that doesn't mean much. So would you rank the Huskies above Florida State if you were, the college football, if you were on the college football playoff committee come week two... Uh, Rankings. Um, I'm sure that's a good question. I don't know if I would. I would be much more okay with it now than I would have been last week. Um, I'm thinking about this. I think uh, I don't want to have everything come down to just the results of how this week dramatically changes things, and that it's the whole body of work. Mm-hmm. I do think the combination of of Washington beating a good USC team, and then fair or not fair, LSU losing again, which makes Florida State's win over LSU, which is still a good win, but a tad bit less impressive. I think both of those things combined, I probably would put Washington ahead of Florida State. Okay. At the end of the day, I don't think it really matters because if they finished undefeated, they're going to get in. Yes. You know, either Ohio State or Michigan's going to lose. They're Mm -hmm. guaranteed to lose because they play each other. And a one-loss Ohio State or Michigan State team, or not Michigan State, Ohio State or Michigan team, is not going to get in over an undefeated Pac-12 team. And I don't know that they would get in over a one-loss Pac-12 champion because they will not have the conference title game also. Now, granted, I don't know that the Big Ten's going to get a good win from the Big Ten West, whoever they would play and beat. But 
Well, it, it's certainly not going to be as good as it would be for you know Washington or Oregon being like, hey, guess what? We beat this one loss top seventeen. Mm-hmm. And it's probably it could be could very well likely be the the those two teams. I mean, it could be Oregon yeah, and mean, Washington. It may not be at this point. I would certainly expect it. I mean, I think we've expected this for you know a month. And yeah. each week, nothing's changed that because neither of them have lost again since then. I and I think Oregon's going to beat USC this week, but we'll get to that. We'll talk more about the Week Eleven slate here momentarily. But uh, let's talk about LSU and Alabama. Uh, I wanted LSU to win because I wanted us to just be done with this whole Alabama narrative of getting to the college football playoff. And yet, here comes Alabama. Jalen Milrow is... They're going to do it. They're going to Atlanta with only one loss and a chance to get into the SEC title game. Yep. And it's just going to be whether they beat Georgia or not. And if they don't, then then we can get rid of them. But this could have been LSU's chance to say, yeah, let's, let's do America a solid here and stop. But boy, LSU can't stop anyone right now. I mean, it's... Jaden Daniels is playing as great a quarterback play in the country as arguably anyone outside of Caleb Williams. And he is unfortunately, it's going to get, kind of get masked or like forgotten because LSU's defense is so poor. And boy, that hot, that seat that Brian Kelly is sitting on there in his office in Baton Rouge, it's got to be feeling awfully toasty right now. And he's maybe... Uh, wondering how much longer he's got here because the LSU faithful are not happy with how things have uh, gone this season on the defensive side of the football. And it certainly doesn't help that Daniels got hurt during the game. Yes. Didn't come back. I mean... I don't know I, if they were coming I back. Think that, I don't think they I don't were coming back if they were down point. 7 or 14 when he got hurt. Yeah, I think, was, I think even if he yeah. didn't, that they probably still wouldn't have won. Mm-hmm. But it obviously changes things. Yep. And uh, I, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this because that one, the hitting, I forget who it was from Alabama that tackled him, but that, that's, that one's different. But it is worth noting that just like the hits he's taken throughout the season, some of them are definitely just unfortunate. There are also some where it's like, what are you doing? You're not that like thick and muscular and, you know, maybe you shouldn't like run straight up and down. You should get out of bounds or slide and – I do wonder if some of it also, and again, it's a big hit. I don't want to say that he wouldn't have got hurt if he had not taken other shots throughout the season. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I do wonder, you know, how much of a uh, kind of a body blow theory throughout the season, because it seems like once a week he just gets absolutely rocked in some ways. And, you know, when it was Ben Roethlisberger with the Steelers or Cam Newton, you know, they can still get hurt, but they were such big guys, you didn't really think about it that much. But he's much more uh, slight of build, uh, LSU's quarterback. But. And, yeah, in terms of what you said about Brian Kelly, I don't think his seat's, like, really hot right now in terms of his job's in trouble. I do think in terms of, like, the general vibe of, like, the fan base and, more importantly, like, the big money boosters and stuff, you certainly don't want the vibes to start coming down, though, in a negative way. And the more they lose, the more that's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. like, big picture, I don't think it really, really matters that much right now. But it does in terms of, like, hey, guess what? If you do find a way to accidentally drop another game this season, it's just going to make people more upset and annoyed. And it's going to make things harder for you going forward. 
91 to 20, I think, is the number I have correct. That is the number, uh, that is the the series a total between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma <laughs> yeah, it, with 91. It, almost always. Like, you know, Bedlam's the nickname, and, you know, for the last, well, I'm going to say since 2001, I just say that because as a Nebraska fan, Nebraska got slaughtered by Colorado in 2001, and then like five other teams lost in front of them, and that's how Nebraska climbed back up and got to play in the national title game against Miami. One of them was a bad Oklahoma State team beating a really good Oklahoma team, and that's one of. I think they, I think Oklahoma State's only won two or three times since then, and you know they call it bedlam, and it's almost always crazy. But it usually ends with like, hey, guess what? Oklahoma was better. They made a play at the end. They won. And uh, in what might be the last time they ever play, or at least for a long, long time, mm-hmm. and they say that they can't play, that's dumb. They can play. ACC teams play SEC teams at the end of the year every year. Put your big boy pants on and play. They can that play. aside, it'll still probably be a long time until they play again. And it is hilarious to me that Oklahoma State won the last one. Yes, I, and that's what I was going to say. They have bragging rights now over Oklahoma for in, for like until they come back. Like, hey, you guys left for the SEC, and we beat your ass uh, like on your way out the door. And not only did they beat them, now I, I don't think Oklahoma was making the college football playoff. Even I mean, if they, definitely not now. Right, even yeah. if they ran the table. But Oklahoma State can now say, we put the nail in your coffin. I, I, I used that a f- phrase a few times. But we've essentially ended your season uh, or your hopes of making the college football playoff. And that's just, that's I think, one of the, the cooler things in this. But, you know, it's the storming of the field. And you know what? Again, I'm going to side with Oklahoma State on this more so I, I do agree that there is a way that they could play it because, like you said, SEC teams will play their rivals. Like Kentucky plays Ella, uh, Louisville, South Carolina plays Clemson. Like there's ways to do it, but Oklahoma did, if in effect, take away the rivalry, this annual rivalry game, by them chasing the money with the SEC. So it's not Oklahoma State saying, "Oh, we're ending it." It's Oklahoma saying, "Yeah, we're parting ways." Uh, for for money, so for Oklahoma State to win this game, I, it, it's it's so cool. And this Ollie Gordon uh, is a one spectacular running back. He is he has really climbed up the ranks in terms of high, like just names to know in college football and also in the Heisman Trophy discussion. Yeah, he technically could. I don't think he's going to be. I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. He's not going to win it. No, I suppose no, he I agree. Big enough here that he ends up going to New York as a finalist. Um, still some work to do there. Yep. I know uh, three other quick things, and I hope I can remember all these. I'll keep most of them short. Um, I do think it's worth noting uh, that if they were going to keep playing, uh, little brother Oklahoma State beating big brother Oklahoma in the last one, probably is better in terms of like, hey, maybe Oklahoma will say, oh, no, we can't let them have this one. We need to play every year, so that doesn't happen. Um, I don't know if it'll work out that way, but I think it's it's much more likely now than if Oklahoma would have won. Um, another thing, did you see what, uh, what Mike Gundy said after the game? I did not know. What did he say? This, this is not verbatim, but something to the effect of afterwards someone – 
yeah, it was in the press conference. Someone asked Mike Gundy something to the effect of like, oh, hey, you know, you won the last Bedlam. How are you going to celebrate? And he's like, hey, you know, I don't know. I guess I'll just go back to my house and uh, oh, the probably Coke? pass out watching college football while I drink some Coke. And they were like, oh, what's your favorite uh, flavor of Coke? And he said, with rum. And I was like, that's a pretty funny answer. Yes, yes. Yep, I, I did see something uh, to that to that effect. So, yeah, that that's very good here. Uh, Texas. And there was one other thing I was going to say. I forgot what it was, though. The two big ones I said was the Gundy funny thing and that, you know, Oklahoma winning would, I think, make it slightly more likely that they would say, no, actually, let's play, you know, like Georgia Georgia Tech do at the end of the season. Well, you have time to, to think about it here if it comes back to you. Uh, Texas had a big lead against Kansas State, but uh, give the – Wildcats credit, they came roaring back. It went to overtime. Texas ultimately prevailed. So Texas still looks really good here. Like, I don't think you certainly can't take, I don't think you, you, you can't rank Alabama over Texas uh, as long as they, as long as each team keeps winning. I don't know. I mean, Quinn Ewers, the, the, the impressive thing for Texas is that they're doing this in light of not having Ewers at all. Um, I'm also wondering how they got both Kansas and Kansas State to come to their place here uh, this year without having to make a trip to Kansas. That seems a little odd, but Texas's schedule the rest of the way is very light. I mean, they should easily win all three of their games, and then it sets up either a date with Oklahoma State or Kansas, maybe a potential rematch with Oklahoma. Oh, that was the other one I was going to say, is that yeah. Oklahoma State, Struggled early in the year, and it was, oh, my God, look how bad they are. And you see how Mike Gundy turned him around because he's a good coach. I mean, I'm not saying he's, like, one of the three best coaches in the country. They lost but a good coach, and I was going to say, but, but now that they're back squarely in the Big 12's title race picture, which is not something we would have thought in the middle of September. Didn't they lose 37-7 to to South Alabama? To USA? That, I remember they lost bad to yeah. a group of five team. I didn't remember. It was it South was, Alabama. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a blowout a win for South Alabama. Um, it's, I think as fans, we forget sometimes is that teams are not finished products. Right. And it's like, well, yeah, you can get better throughout the year and make you know changes. And, and sometimes it's not even that you change stuff. It's just like, no, we're going to keep practicing and getting experience. And, you know, in today's... Uh, we need everything right now that sometimes we forget that some things just take time. I just, I think though, even like, even if Texas goes undefeated the rest of the way, they are going to need help to get in the college football playoff just because the schedule is weak down the stretch. Washington and Oregon have far better resumes. So if both of those teams have one loss, I would take both of them over a Texas team you know, Florida State, Ohio State. Well, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if you'll be – well, yeah, I, I was going to say, you won't be able to take both. That's not entirely true. I suppose if Oregon beats Washington and then they both only have one loss, yep. there is a scenario where you could have two back 12 teams. Well, I'm just saying – And I know where you're going with this, and I think, you know, like, big picture, you're right. Yeah. It's worth noting that this happens every year, yeah. and there are yeah. still just always teams that it's like, oh, shit, that's weird. Ohio State lost to, I mean, not, they, you know, but that, Rutgers yesterday, but, the, yeah. but there's going to be some game like that where some of these teams are going to lose. And it's just like, oh, yeah, didn't think that would happen. And no, then it does. But, but that's what I'm saying. Like, Texas will need help to get into the college football playoff, I think. That's. I mean, sure, but they're going to get some of it. Yes. Like, you're right, but 
it's going to happen naturally that at least one of the two of the teams in front of them are going to lose. Right. It's just it's it's they're going to need something more substantial than just like a, oh we know Ohio State or Michigan's going to lose. It's got it. There's going to have to be some sort of as you put it like an upset somewhere along the way. Like we oh we didn't see this happening here. I just I look at that Texas schedule the rest of the way and it's really weak. Where some of these other teams have a better have more of an opportunity to put a a, a better win on their resume. Do you have their schedule in front of you? Yeah, Texas is. Yes, I do. Uh, they Who do have, they play the rest of the regular season? They have. I, I just had it, and, and uh, I know they play Iowa State. Uh, oh, it's TCU this week. And better at the beginning of the year doesn't look as. Yeah, I'm not going to give you a great win there. Yep, and it's at at TCU, just for what it's worth. Then at Iowa State, so that, uh, I mean, could get a little dicey. You know, Ames is always a weird place to play games, especially later in the season. And then home against Texas Tech. So, yeah. I mean, you're looking at you know, TCU's 4-5, and five, Iowa State's 5-4, and four, Texas Tech's 4-5. and five. Not, like, awful teams, but... But not any that are like, wow, that's really impressive win um, for Texas. There's just not an impress. I'm not seeing, uh, a, a, wow, I'm so impressed by it by Texas winning, uh, beating this team today. That's all. There's that's- no one the rest of the way other than maybe a conference title game. That's yes. the equivalent of Washington beating USC. Exactly. So, yep. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question here, and you can take it. Um, one of several different places, I suppose. Two options. I like this already. How do you think Tyler is doing today? <laughs> um, I think that he's probably happy that Clemson won, but other than that, does not like that he's being used uh, in a negative way. That probably hurts his feelings. Well, um, also, I don't it. know why they still have Coach Collin shows anymore. Yep. Of like the things we have changed and gotten rid of and the things that are relics from an older time that we still hang on to mm-hmm. the coaches call in show just fascinates me that team, that schools are like yes we will still do this yep so uh the other way you could have gone this would have been a tyler van dyke question with miami uh because that uh, he his season's gone off the rails as have the hurricanes but yes clemson beats notre dame 31 to 23 uh I guess it's a good response by Clemson beating Notre Dame. Um, I don't think either of us thought that was going to happen either. I mean, I think if you would have told us Clemson would win, I'd have bought it. But Clemson, especially early on, like if I correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the stuff from Saturday is yeah. running together in my brain. Yeah. If I remember right, Clemson was up big for a bit. Yeah, they, they, and that's what that's what really was the surprising part. I mean, if you would have said. You know, Clemson wins twenty to seventeen. I would have been like, okay, I'm a little bit surprised, but I could see that. But it was the way that it was almost. I mean, I don't know. To a degree, it was probably cathartic for Clemson the way their season's gone. Mm-hmm. But they were just like, oh my god, look at us take out all this frustration on you know a, a team that's technically not their conference for football. But I'm sure, like most teams, they hate Notre Dame nonetheless. Yep, they Notre Dame scored the first field goal of the game, the first points of field goal, and with. 8:33 to go in the second quarter. It was 24 to six Clemson. Now, Notre. Now, all of the scoring then it was 31-23 in the third quarter. And after Notre Dame scored a touchdown, a Sam Hartman 26-yard touchdown run with 6:05 to go in the third quarter. No one scored the remainder of the game. So, like Notre Dame had chances. They just 
didn't do it. So, yeah, Clemson had that big lead and, and really never looked back. That You know, still a few dicey moments you'd like to, like, really put them away. But it's still a very good win uh, for Clemson and, and not great for Notre Dame losing that one. Um, that was tough. Well, before the Dakota marker thoughts here, is there anything else from this week that, that caught your attention? Um... That's a good question. Minnesota I'm trying to think. I losing mean, the to biggest Illinois. thing was obviously, like you mentioned first, the the two games in the 6.30 window that were, you know, musty TV at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I suppose the other two things worth noting is that Ohio State did not look good for a long stretch against Rutgers. Mm-hmm. And that Notre Dame win that they have uh, looks worse than it did a month ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that it's bad. I mean, I think it's a solid win, but... It went from like, wow, what a tough win on the road to like, yeah, okay, I suppose that's a nice win, but yeah. And then uh, <laughs> that somehow, despite having like the worst offense that anyone remembers, Iowa keeps finding ways to win and somehow won 10 to 7. In a game that had the lowest under anyone ever remembers, and or the lowest over under anyone ever remembers, and so easily covered the under. Yes. Yes. And I suppose this should be the point where I tell you that I will be in uh, Las Vegas on Saturday uh, for a wedding a couple days later. So I guess I, I suppose I don't know all the legalities of this, but it's legal, gambling's legal in Las Vegas. Bet the under. So if you want me to make any, if you want me to make any bets for you, but, you know, like taking the under for Iowa and. I think it's Iowa and Rutgers this week. Yeah, let me check. You know, here. I'm pretty sure I'm going to bet the. I mean, I don't even know what it is, and I'm going to bet the under. Well, yeah, why would you bet the over with Iowa at all? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like uh, Kirk Ferentz. There, I was a two point favorite against Rutgers. For what it's worth, I don't. I'm not going to take that. Uh, but let's see. And they're going to win eight to five. What's the over under? Twenty eight and a half for this game, and Rutgers oh, an even lower over under. And at the same time, it's like well. You know, 15 to 14 would hit the over, and it's like, yeah, I don't think that it's going to be 15 to 14. Yeah. I think it's going to be lower than that. Yeah. They so easily covered the under in that game. It's remarkable. Big upset of the week, Army over Air Force 23 to 3, um, and essentially a home field for Air Force. I get that it was in Denver, but, I mean, that's a big – Army hasn't shown anything at all this year and for them to get a win over Air Force, that's pretty significant. And it all but ends Air Force's chances of playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. I think now that uh, yeah. distinction is going to stay with Tulane, provided that Tulane keeps winning. I, I don't know about you. I didn't see any of this game. I don't remember what time it was at, and I don't remember what I was watching. I think but... it was at noon. I think it was the in the noon okay. window, or like the 11 just, at, at some point later in the day, I just remember seeing on the bottom score on whatever I was watching and like had to look at it twice because I was surprised. Mm-hmm. And then at some point I did check very quickly. I was just like, how did this happen? And I don't, I could be wrong on the stats. I don't remember exactly, but it was something where it was like, Oh, air force was negative five in turnover margin. It's like, yep, that'll do it. That that's, that's it. That's yep. how they lost. Yep. And there was no scoring in the second quarter, six turnovers. By, committed by Air Force. That's not very good. Um, yeah, that was bad. Bad look there for Air Force against a team. Like I said, Army's not very good this year, so they should have easily crushed them. And Those so, service academy games are weird sometimes. Yes, they uh, are. Yep. That 
Like, I, people say, you know, it's a rivalry. Throw the records out. And I think that's kind of overplayed. There are a few where that's true. Yep. Um, but the commander I, and you know, I, I think that Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's one of them. And, you know, Auburn, Alabama's one of them a lot of times. And definitely the ones between the service academies are. Absolutely. And not only that, how about the Dakota marker? SDSU beats NDSU 33-16. to 16. The fifth straight win over the Bison for the Jacks. It's the fourth straight year that the Dakota marker is rightfully staying in the state of South Dakota in Brookings. I don't know how much of this game you saw. I watched it all. I would say, like, if you were to look at the score, like, 33-16, wow, SDSU must have really had their way. No, they really didn't. Like, NDSU played really well, especially to start out the game, and, you know, there was a blocked field goal in the second half and an interception in the red zone. Like, NDSU had plenty of opportunities to get in this game, and they just made more mistakes than SDSU did, but this was far from a uh, flawless performance by the Jacks. So I came away saying, okay, NDSU came here like ready to play and SDSU still won, you know, fairly easily, but it could have been, it still wasn't their best game and they, there's room for improvement. I guess that's the best way to put it. I don't know if you meant it to come across this way, and if you did, I appreciate it, because I loathe NDSEL. Yep. But I love how your summary was essentially like, you know what, North Dakota State played pretty well. It turns out South Dakota State's just better, and there's nothing they could have done. Well, they are and better. I, I appreciate that. I they are better. Uh, I mean, there's no yeah. other... No, you're right. And I'm sure <laughs> North Dakota State fans, I don't know how many listen to your show, because they probably don't like pro SDSU stuff. Yeah. And it probably burns their blood, and they hate it, and that makes me even happier. Well, and they're 0-3 against the Dakota schools this year i mean there's also and... the way you said this i i mean i knew that they had won a few in a row i didn't realize it was five yeah they... South, uh, correct me if i'm wrong i'm trying to think of just math stuff in my head quick here which you know i'm a sports writer so math isn't my specialty mm-hmm. i know that south dakota state lost to north dakota state when they had the game day game in brookings yes that, Has that... south dakota state not lost to north dakota state since that game then that was four years ago right yep so I know it was 2019 because yep, so I started working this job in October of 2019, uh, yep. and it was either the first or the second weekend I lived in Sheldon. I'm, was trying, that to, I'm trying to think. They went up to Fargo and won the Dakota marker in the COVID season, and then won in, at SDSU a year later, then beat them in Fargo last year. They came back from like 17-3 or 17-0 down and won, and then... Of course, the national championship in this year. Yeah, so, so, yeah. so they have not lost since, since the game day game. Yes, yep, since Pat McAfee became a star on, on college game day. Yep, I, I believe that's correct. Um, but you would have thought that. I uh, That's a lot of wins in a row. Yeah. And the, you know, at a time where, you know, I mean, I don't remember the number. I know it's UCLA John Wooden-esque of how many national finals North Dakota State won. But if you would have told us in, you know, 2014 or 2015 or whatever – you're like, hey, guess what? South Dakota State's going to win five in a row. North Dakota State's still going to be good. SDSU's going to play in two national title games, win one, beat North Dakota State in one. We would have been like, yeah, that sounds great, but I don't know if that's going to actually happen. Right. And here we are. And you know, the- it's like the uh, the Paul Rudd uh, hot wings gift thing, where he's just like, huh. Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. And that's where we are right now. Well, and the Dakota Marker series is now tied ten apiece. Um. And I, I saw the. Oh, I don't just know. since they 
Like, since they went Division One. Yes, or, yep, yep. Like okay. the Dakota Markers yeah. series. Like the, gotcha. the for the yeah. series in totality, NDSU is up by like sixteen. It's like sixty three forty seven and five now, or something, something crazy like that. So. SDSU would have to win many, many more in a row for the series to be even close. But like the Dakota Marker Trophy itself, I found it cool that SDSU is like, they almost forgot to go lift the trophy at the end. Uh, They were just like, yeah, we won this game. And yeah, oh yeah, wait, there's a trophy on the line here. I mean, they've gotten so used to having it. I mean, it's It's, a heavy trophy and they spent the whole game rubbing North Dakota State's face in the turf. So, you know, it's probably like, yeah, you know, our arms are a little sore right now. I don't know if we want to lift it. Right. You know, we already had it, so. We have a big game against the Penguins next week in Youngstown State. Um, but I did, I don't know, do you follow Sam Herder on Twitter at all? Is that the guy that just talks about FCS stuff? Yes. I do. I don't. I, I do follow him. I okay. can't say that, like, I see all of his tweets. He, um, but he I, 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 I do, though. Yeah, I, I don't. I definitely recognize that game and had to think for a or that name and had to think for a second. But yeah, I do. He put a tweet out um, early. I, I don't know if it was on Monday or if it was sometime like after, like it was within after like the Dakota Marker game. And he said, "Oh, so many people are talking about how many super seniors that SDSU has, and NDSU actually has more seniors than SDSU." And I think the same number or maybe one more one less super senior than SDSU does. So for all the talk about like, oh, the Mason McCormick's and, um, you know, the, you know, the Garrett Greenfields and all these guys, you know, that SDSU brought, the Yankee twins, whatever. NDSU actually has more seniors and more super seniors or roughly the same number as SDSU. So like that in and of itself, like that argument can just be shoved aside now here uh, because it's it's not that much of an advantage except that the players that SDSU has are clearly better than NDSU right now. Yep. And come up with other, I mean, whether they're right or wrong, it doesn't really matter. They're just trying to come up with, you know, little ointments and salves to cure their wounds they have from right. losing again and not being who they used to be. I just like that that, that Sam But like you said, that, that is funny there. that they're like, well, clearly this, and it's like, actually, that's not even true. Right. Nice try. Right. Right, but I, but, you I, know, I, I expect nothing less from people that can't pronounce bison correctly. But I would, I, I didn't even know that that SDSU, like, because that's been the narrative that oh, SDSU is this super senior laden team, and I didn't realize or I didn't know and it's that it's not wrong. It's just that North Dakota State has more. Right, I just didn't, I didn't know that. So that's kind of nice to hear. That it's like okay, that that storyline I guess can be shoved shoved aside then because. Clearly, there is there are other teams that are like SDSU, so I, I, I like that. Let's look uh, briefly ahead to Week Eleven here, and this this appears to be a very uh, uh, you know we've we've had very good weeks in college football here, and I don't know if this is the best week that we've had, but this is certainly a very good week. You have number three Michigan at number eleven Penn State, noon Eastern, eleven a.m. Central Time on Fox. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to come back to that game here because I, I want to get your thoughts. I know we talked about Michigan last week, but I want to ask you another follow-up on that. Uh, we have n- number 18, Utah, at number 5, Washington, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central Time on Fox. 
Number 17, Tennessee at number 12, Missouri. I guess that's not a huge game, but both teams are 7-2. It's a ranked matchup. I mean, it's a big game in the extent that there's a good, I mean, well, I shouldn't say a good chance, but a, a realistic chance that whoever wins that game could still play in a New Year's Six game. Yep. Uh, a massive game in the another massive game in the SEC with plenty of playoff implications. Number ten Ole Miss at number two Georgia, seven p.m. Eastern, six p.m. Central Time on ESPN. College Game Day will be at that one. And you have number twenty USC at number six Oregon, ten thirty p.m. Eastern, nine thirty p.m. Central Time on Fox. So there's a lot of ranked versus ranked matchups here. What? What matchup out of those ones excites you the most? The two that excite me the most, I think one, because it could be fun, but also may end up being awful and ugly. And I suppose technically you could say the same thing about Michigan and Penn State, but Michigan, Penn State, and along with uh, Ole Miss and Georgia, those are the two. I think the biggest thing is just because there's college football playoff implications and both teams are... I guess in, or I forget what Ole Miss is. Wait, eight and one. Uh, eight ranked. And, uh, ten, yeah, and ten. All, all four of them are in the top 11 mm-hmm. right now. Um, I, and I'm using the ESPN standings page. Those are probably the college football playoff rankings from last week. So they'll end up changing a little bit. But they're, they're still all four top 15 teams. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I mean, I, I like that Michigan has to go to Penn State. Also that, you know, we'll, we'll see how the Michigan thing plays out. I don't think I'm really going to change my mind that much from what I said last week about it. Okay. But with the Big Ten being like, hey, guess what? We notified Michigan. We're looking into this. It's like, oh, oh, that's different. I didn't expect that. That well, could. Look, look. I mean, it might not really mean anything, and it might not. But it also could be like, oh, yeah, maybe this is going to get bad fairly soon for Michigan, too. Well, let me it ask- went from like, I don't think anything's going to happen. To me being like, well, I don't know. Now, now it went from, I don't, I still don't think it, but it went from like I'm confident to, yeah. Now it's a little more of like a a, de- a decent look at a long three pointer as opposed to a full court shot. So I, it's like, oh yeah, this this is this is more viable now. So this is what I was going to ask in light of the the Big Ten coaches telling what is it Tom Patetti or whatever the Big Ten commissioner like, hey, this isn't great, and then the AD like they were pissed off about it. Uh, the ADs aren't very happy either. And Michigan State, of all the, the teams, uh, their athletic director was very passionate about it and saying like, hey, we found out about this and had to change everything kind of on the fly for in our game. And then he talked about the 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 scrum in the, lo- in the locker or in the tunnel last year between the two, two teams and how that resulted in multiple suspensions that got you know handed out relatively quickly there is like there is a growing then you've got connor stallions quote unquote resigning i think it's it's a fire i mean the the statement that he released like oh jim harbaugh had no no idea it was this thing it's it's very possible he didn't know about it i think we do have to say that it's possible he didn't that it's you know kind of like when you know, people who are mid-level people for the president of the United States are like, well, they don't know we're doing this, but we're doing this to help them. But when, At the same time, I don't think that's the case. I think Harbaugh probably did know about it. When you have a guy telling you, like, oh, the edge rush, and when you, you know, standing on the central Michigan sideline with the sunglasses with the blue laser, or blue light coming out to record signs and stuff, I have a hard time thinking that Jim Harbaugh absolutely had no idea about this 
I don't, and it sounded like in the latest year that, as as of the recording of this podcast, uh, Pete Thamel from ESPN said the Big Ten's not gonna, not expected to do anything within the next forty eight hours. So we likely won't hear until the middle of this week, Wednesday or Thursday, about. Any, I still don't think they're going to do anything this season. I, but I don't like know. I said, my, yep. I've gone from I'm very confident to like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's something that we're going to have to keep monitoring, and maybe Michigan losing to Penn State would help silence a lot of this. It's like, oh, if Michigan's not in the um, not in the college football playoff conversation, then we can wait to dole out or dish out the punishment until after the season. But I, I do think there's something to be said, like for wanting a sense of urgency and getting to some sort of resolution on this. Um, it's just very interesting how the the temperature has really changed now within the Big Ten specifically and how coaches and athletic directors alike are like, no, this is not good. Coaches were far more heated than the ADs. The ADs apparently were more measured in their angst or anger regarding this. Um, but it's still something where it's weird that I guess Michigan can unite the whole Big Ten or almost unite the whole Big Ten over one specific issue, and it's them cheating. I don't remember where I read this, and I don't even remember who it was that said it, but I think in general a lot of truth to it, that like the Big Ten was in a lot of ways the most, I mean, kumbaya is not the right way to say it, but like the most, yes, all of us support each other, and we want to beat each other on Saturday, but we are all institutions of higher learning, and blah, 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 blah. And that kind of changed around COVID where some teams wanted to play and some teams didn't want to play. Mm -hmm. And it seems like nothing's changed it to go back. And maybe it never will go back. And that's fine. I don't care whether the teams like each other or not or if they stick up for each other or not. That isn't relevant to me. But it is kind of funny how that's changed and that there's all these things since then. And also just my, you know, maybe I'm the only person that cares about this. But once again, I think I... I don't remember if I mentioned this to you or to someone else, but I will always remember Desmond Howard when Nebraska said they wanted to play during the COVID 2020 year mm-hmm. of saying that Nebraska should be forced to publicly apologize and then they should kick Nebraska out of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, you don't get both of those. You can maybe get one. You don't get both. And I do think it's very interesting that Desmond Howard isn't trying to kick Michigan out of the Big Ten now. And I think what Michigan's doing in a lot of ways would considered worse. Oh, for, I mean, if, you, if you don't like yeah. Nebraska wanting to play for, you know, I think you can make that case, but that Nebraska isn't doing something that's like, actually, we're kind of questioning the integrity of how things work. Right. And I just think it's, it's all, that's always going to be ironic to me. Yep. No, I, I, I fully Wilbon at Northwestern and uh, Desmond Howard saying how abhorrent Nebraska wanting to play when there were plenty of teams already playing and Nebraska wasn't even the only team in the Big Ten that wanted to. Right. And that whenever their schools are in trouble, they're always incredibly silent about it. I, I, oh, I wholeheartedly agree. I'm, I always, like, I watch college game day, I try to, and whenever they're talking about Michigan, I want to hear what Desmond says, and he's just kind of hoeing and humming, and it's like, okay, say something. Like, I don't give a shit if it's, if it's your school or not. If they're doing something bad, like you gotta say, like, hey, this isn't good, or just remove. If you want to remove yourself from the conversation entirely, that's fine. Then get off the set. Like, I don't need to see you then as a part of it. But if you're there, you better not just him and hum and huh. Like, no, say something. 
do something uh, of substance. But anyway, um, shall we play another edition of Bull Bound or not? And again, everyone so excited. Al Alabama and Mobile, uh, very big fan of the the pod, er, of this segment. He says Bull Bound or not is the best thing about college football. I don't know about that. Al, but thank you very much. Norman. I mean, it o- might be the fourth best thing about college football. I, I would say so. Norman in Oklahoma, big fan of Norman's it. having a rough week. He we, is. He needs bull bound yep. or not to get his to get his uh his enthusiasm yep. back up. Jackson in Mississippi, we know. Tyler in South Carolina. I mean, I bet apparently Tyler listens to it too. So uh thanks, Tyler. Uh, we appreciate that. So uh without further ado, shall we get into it? Let's. Okay. Now, I don't know. Do we want to pick uh, teams with four wins or three wins or do a combination of both? Because we're going to start with the – we did the Big 12, we did the ACC, we did the Big 10, and the Sun Belt last week. So we got to cover the rest of the conferences today. And I'm just looking at the AAC, and there are a lot of four-win and three-win teams. So do we want to do I would say let's not do three wins, but I'm okay with four and or five wins. Okay, okay. Let's focus then on just the four wins, and if there are some conferences that don't have a lot and have some three wins, we'll do that. Does that sound fair? That works. Okay. All right, so let's go to the AAC. Then let's uh, let's go to Boca Raton and the Florida Atlantic Owls. They are four and five. They have three games remaining. They host one and eight East Carolina this week. They host number twenty-four Tulane, and then they are at four and five Rice. So Charlie, are the Florida Atlantic Owls bull bound or not? Well. I'm going to say that they're going to beat East Carolina. They're going to lose to Tulane, meaning they need to beat Rice. And they are going to be, uh, the end of their season is they're going to be stuck with something that maybe they don't like. And uh, Lee Corso curveball here. It's that they're going to have to play a bowl game in Florida where they are. They're going to make it to a bowl game. They're not going to get to go somewhere far away. It's probably maybe the they're actually going to play a bowl game in Boca Raton. Yeah. It's not Boca Raton. It'll be somewhere within two, a two or three hour drive of there. So I'll be like, oh, bowl game. We're we gonna go somewhere fun. No, actually, we actually aren't going that far away. Oh, oh interesting. You don't. You're not pinning them in the roofclaim.com uh, Boca Raton Bowl. I, it could be that one. It might be. I'm, I'm saying it'll be somewhere within three hours. Did it you, might be the Boca Raton. Bowl. Did you see that? Like the Bahamas Bowl is now being played. I think in Myrtle Beach, and the Myrtle Beach Bowl is getting moved to Charlotte or somewhere. Like there's some. Just change the name if you're going to do that. Well, I think they just had to do it this year because of like stadium renovations or something. Oh, like if that's that. the case. All right. Sure, yeah. Yep. That. It's it's not a permanent thing, but there's something that changed this year. So instead of going to the Bahamas, you have to go to Charlotte or something like that. I think I say this every year, stacking. We need more international bowls. There should be. I mean, I don't know what countries are. You know what the weather's necessarily like in well, January or late December all the time. Play in Toronto. I mean, I don't know what Australia's like. You know, <laughs> Australia's bad cold wise, but maybe not. But you know, go to Australia. Go to go to Italy. I go, mean, who cares? Go, go to some, Japan go and play in the Tokyo Dome. Like, I think that's a, yeah. I know, yeah, I know. I know Nebraska played in Tokyo. It wasn't a bowl game. It was like a late November game. But I know they played in Tokyo once against Kansas State. I mean, yeah. play a bowl game there. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, for a lot of, I mean, especially for the teams that are good and go to bowl games every year, 
It's like, do you need another trip to Florida or Texas? I mean, at least you can learn stuff in new country. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, let's go to South Florida. Uh, they are four and five. Again, South Florida being in Tampa and is and you have Central Florida and Orlando, which is like just directly east. I, I still don't get the geography here with that, but regardless of what I think of the school's name and where they're located at, South Florida four and five. They host three and six Temple this week. They are at six and three UTSA, and then home against three and six. Charlotte. Uh, interesting. There's no game against UCF here on the schedule. I'm surprised that that is the case. I would have thought that that rivalry game would have been played. They Oklahoma them. They said, we're moving on up and uh, we'll never see or hear from you ever again now. Apparently not. So South Florida, are they bull bound or not? Uh, I think they are. It's going to be much like Florida Atlantic. They're going to win the next game. They're going to lose the middle one on the road, but they need the two wins. Then they're going to beat Charlotte in the last game of the year. Going to a bowl at six and six. All right, Rice four and five as well. They lost the Mayor's Cup to SMU this last week, thirty six thirty one. They're four and five. They're at six and three UTSA this week. They are at three and six Charlotte, and then they host four and five Florida Atlantic. So Charlie is Rice bull bound or not? I picked Florida Atlantic to win that game, so I can't go back. And you know what? It's not going to matter. They're not going to win anything. They're losing all three. Poor Rice. No bowl game. Poor Rice. All right. Let's go then to the this. Uh, let's go to Conference USA because we did the ACC, we did the Big 12, we did the Big 10. So let's go to Conference USA and let's go. I'm not even. I, Western Kentucky's 5 and 4. If they're still one win you know, shy when we do this here in a couple of weeks when bullbound or not comes back here in a couple of weeks we'll talk about them but let's talk about florida international the panthers pause up four and five they are at two and seven middle tennessee state middle tennessee state by the way is an 11 and a half point favorite despite being two and seven uh, they are at three and six Arkansas. Arkansas just put up a whole bunch of points against Florida in a win, and they are home against Western uh, five and four Western Kentucky. So Charlie is Florida International bull bound or not? No problem for the Panthers. They're losing all three games. No bowl game. I think that's a very. I think that's yes. Nope. I I fully agree. With that, interestingly enough, here UMass is three and seven, so they have a potential for for bowl eligibility too. I think, um, unless they have two losses. I'm just looking at the independents here, and we're not going to talk about any of them. But I just want to see if UMass has two or three. No, they only have two games left. So no, you, poor UMass, not in the mix here. So let's go to the MAC, and let's well. Let's go. We're going to, you know what? Let's, I'm just going to look at three and six Buffalo here because they're three and two in the MAC. So all of their wins have been in conference thus far. They host six and three Ohio. They are at seven and two Miami, Ohio, and then host four and five Eastern Michigan. So Charlie, is Buffalo bullbound or not? They're not. The only one they're going to win is the Eastern Michigan. All right. Northern Illinois is four and five. They are host. Uh, let's get here. Uh, they host two and seven Ball State. They host three and six Western Michigan, and then they're at one and eight Kent State. Charlie is Northern Illinois bullbound or not? 
They are. They they're not even going to need the game till the end of the year. They're going to win the first two to get to six, and then they're just getting another one to get to seven. Probably improve their bowl spot. I mean, hopefully that doesn't actually send them to a colder place. Hopefully it sends them somewhere nicer and warmer. But yeah, they're 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 bowling, and hopefully an even slightly better bowl. And I'm thinking Boise is a lovely place to play. Uh in that time of the year. How about 4-5 and five Eastern Michigan? They're at 8-1 and one Toledo. They host 2-7 and seven Akron. And then they are at 3-6 and six Buffalo. So, Charlie, is Eastern Michigan bowl bound or not? They are. They need to. They are going to get two of the three. They're getting them at 6-6. Six and six. Okay. I, I didn't plan it this way. I've got a lot of 6-6 six and six teams right now. Oh, well, that's, that's how kind of college football is in general. So, um like that, that that makes sense that that we would have that here. So let's go to the Mountain West and let's go Stacking, is this a first? We're doing Boise State for are they gonna make a bowl game? Uh, yes, that yes. I this is stunning to me that Boise State they had I thought Jay, oh, is it in Jalen Green or something? Like he's a pretty good quarterback, I thought. Um I think that's the name of the quarterback, right? Uh, do I have that right? Uh, I think so. I will be honest. I kind of checked out on Boise State since about week. Well, like, I think well, it was when I think it was when they lost to Memphis that I was like, "Oh, they're just bad this year." Yeah. Well, that's a very fair point. Uh, let's see again the quarterback here, and it is Taylen Green, not Jalen Green, Taylen Green. So uh, very close on that. But yes, Boise State four and five. They host three and six New Mexico. This week they are at four and five Utah State, and then they host eight and one Air Force. So Charlie, is Boise State bowl bound or not? Again, they need for four wins. They need to get two of their last three, and they're not going to win the last one against Air Force. But I do think they're going to beat both New Mexico and Utah State to just sneak in at six and six. Ooh, just barely getting in that again. Boise State six and six. That is really, really surprising. Uh, unfortunately, now ESPN has just crashed on me, so we're just pulling, pulling it back up here. Hopefully, it won't take uh, but a moment here. Let's see if I can find anything. Okay, here, here we go. Um, let's uh, let's plug something here. Do we think SDSU is going to beat um, you, uh, Youngstown State this week? I think they will. I do think it's worth noting after USD and NDSU, both games I think that they were very up for against highly ranked teams. Uh, and I should say not that Youngstown's like terrible. They've been good in a tough mm-hmm. Missouri Valley. I do think that this is like the possible wet out game though. Yep. Of like, we won these ones and I'm like, ah, we're only giving our B to B minus to C plus effort today and maybe they can get caught. I think it's, I think it's I think it's like I don't want to say it's fifty fifty on if they win or lose. Mm-hmm. I think it's fifty fifty though on like, oh, there's four minutes left in the third quarter and this game is within three points and I don't know how the rest of this is going to go. I think it's because they have to travel so far. That's my concern with that here. But we are back here. We got everything pulled up here. We are staying in the Mountain West. We got 4-5 and five San Jose State. They host 8-1 and one Fresno State this week. They host 3-6 and six San Diego State. And then they're at 7-2 and two UNLV. So, Charlie, is San Jose State bowl-bound or not? The funny thing is if before the season we would have said they needed to win two of three and they're against... Uh, 
Fresno State, UNLV, and San Diego State, two of them are good. I don't think any of us would have guessed San Diego State's the bad one and mm-hmm. UNLV is the good one. Yep. Um, I, I, I don't think they're going to. They need two, and I think they're going to lose to both Fresno and UNLV. Actually, you know that I'm thinking about this? Since I'll be in Las Vegas, maybe I'll go see UNLV again. I don't know. All right. I probably won't, but it is an option. Hey, there we go. Uh, who do they play this week? I'll, I'll pull it up here. Well, right now we are looking at four and five Utah State. They have really come on strong here as of late. Uh, is it in Las Vegas on Saturday? Uh, yes, I'm assuming I, I've been no. on Saturday. Uh, they they host two and seven Nevada this week. They host four and five Boise State, and then they're at three and six New Mexico. So Charlie, is Utah State bull bound or not? I don't think they are. I think it's going to be it's going to be a rough finish. They're going to lose all three. It's and, going to be bad. And UNLV is home against Wyoming. Nine forty-five p.m. kickoff time, Central Time. So is that seven forty-five out in Vegas? But they are home against Wyoming. That's a good Wyoming. Squad. Actually, between seven and two UNLV and six and three Wyoming. Yeah. Before again, before the season, I'm like, oh no way! I mean, no way would I want to watch that. Now it's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe I will. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Let's go to the Pac-12 now, and it this brings just a smile to my face because once the, it, Deion Sanders now saying trust, you know, you got we got to go through the process. So trust the process. You know, this careful stacking keeps receipts. Yeah, I guess so. Like, oh, you. You like me now, and uh, you know Philadelphia 76ers like the process, but Colorado is four and five. They host six and three Arizona this week. Arizona bull bound, by the way, for the first time since 2017. Then they're at four and five Washington State and at seven and two Utah. Charlie is Colorado bull bound or not? I'm going to preface this by saying that TCU was overrated, and that put Colorado on a trajectory that they probably shouldn't have been put on and it's not fair um, and that when they lose the rest of these games and finish the season at 4-8 and eight, that's still quite an improvement on last year and if you would have said hey guess what Colorado's going to win 4 games in the first week of August you would have been like oh wow that's an improvement and it's unfortunate for them that no one will care because they'll think wow they're terrible even though they're much better than they were last year but like I said burying the lead a bit I think they're going to lose all three. I mean, who would have thought Arizona would be a tough game two months ago? I don't think they're going to win that. Washington State's not great, but it's on the road, and I don't think they're going to win at Washington State, and I definitely do not think they're going to beat Utah. Well, Washington State, a team that was once ranked 13th in the country, is currently on a five-game losing streak. They just lost to Stanford 10-7. Washington State is 4-5. and five. They are at Three and six Cal this week. They host four and five Colorado, and then are at nine and zero Washington. Charlie is Washington State. Are the Cougars bull bound or not? Stacking, we're going to get real weird. They're four and five. They have three games left. They're one of the two remaining Pac-12 schools after this year. Oh, please don't say. And much like thing. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Yeah. Washington State's going to win all three. They're going to beat Washington. They're going to be seven to five. Holy shit. That would be impressive. That would really be impressive. Uh, They've fallen off a cliff. I don't know what's going on uh, with Wazoo, but uh, 
All right. I like Am it. Am I trying too hard with that pick? Probably, but that's what I think. That's okay. That is A-okay. Um, let's go then, finally, to the SEC. And... We're gonna go. We're gonna pick some three and six teams here because there's only one four and five team. So let's go three and six South Carolina. They host two and eight Vanderbilt this week. They host six and three Kentucky the next week, and they host five and four Clemson the last week of the season. So Charlie, is South Carolina bull bound or not? They need to win all three. I think that they'll beat Vanderbilt. The downside is I the, I do not think they're going to be Kentucky or Clemson. I think they might get watched by both of them. Okay. Um, I do think that there was a possibility if Clemson would have been on a worse trajectory that that could have been for bowl eligibility for both of them. And I think Clemson is Clemson. I think Clemson's already. I'm scrolling back up here quick. I guess Clemson only has five. Yep. That would be funny, but I, I think they're going to get one anyways. And so they'll already be bowl eligible. Wouldn't that be funny? I, long story short, they're going to win one. They're going to lose the next two. They're going to finish four and eight. No Wouldn't that be funny if Clemson and South Carolina were meeting for bowl, with bowl eligibility on the line? I actually do want that to happen because I think that would make – I mean, obviously Clemson would be like, oh, no, we're not that good. We hate it. I'm sure there were some South Carolina people that thought they were going to build off their kind of hot finish to the end of last year. I'm, I'm, I thought they, they would. Tennessee and Clemson in the regular season, if I remember right, last year. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, yes, they did. And it would be funny that they're both five and six, and one of them just going to be like, "Oh no, this is going to be the worst offseason ever if we don't win this game." Four and five Mississippi State is at five and four Texas A&M this week. They host two and seven Southern Miss. And they host eight and one Ole Miss. Charlie is Mississippi State bull bound or not? They're not going to beat Ole Miss. I think they are going to win the other two though, including Texas A and M. So I think that they are getting to six at six and six. Which then uh, I'm also just looking at this for myself. Who else does Texas A and M play? Because if they lose to Mississippi State, that uh. Oh, uh, they still play Abilene Christian. They're going to beat Abilene Christian. So, so Texas A&M is going to get to six. But I think they're going to lose to Mississippi State and LSU, so they're going to be six and six, which also means I think there is a strong chance that they would fire Jim Fisher then. I, I, in fact, I, I would be surprised if they did not fire him after going six and six. Okay. Arkansas, surprisingly, is still bowl eligible. They host five and four Auburn. This still week. could be bowl eligible. Still could be bowl eligible. Yes, I'm sorry. The bowl eligibility is still on the line. They host five and four Auburn this week. They host four and five Florida International, and they host seven and two Missouri. So they finish the year with three straight home games, like South Carolina. Charlie is Arkansas bowl bound or not? I think they're going to find a way to beat Auburn, mm-hmm. which puts them at four wins. They're going to beat Florida International. That puts them at five wins. Mm-hmm. So then they're in a win and you're in, lose and you're done. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for them, they're going to lose this series. So they're going five and seven. Sounds about right. I no I I wholeheartedly agree with that assessment. Uh, that does it for Bullbound or Not this week. Hopefully everyone enjoyed it. When uh, You will be in Vegas next week, so we won't have you on, but we'll have you on in two weeks. And there, uh, another edition of Bullbound or Not will uh, happen. It may be our last one of the year. We'll, we'll see about that, but we will take a look at all 
four win and five win teams at that point. Well, we might have it might only might only be four five win teams then at that point. Uh, we'll take a look yep. at every five win team for the last week of the season. Believe it or not, we're already there to that point. We Luckily, might Nebraska's to... not one of them. They didn't beat Michigan State. They're still at five wins. I hope they get win six this weekend at Maryland. I do not want Nebraska to lose this game to Maryland and be like, well, we need one more win, and our last two games are against Wisconsin and Iowa. I think those will be difficult to win. I'm very upset that Minnesota lost to Illinois. That's a that's a bad loss at home. you you got to beat Purdue this week to get to bowl eligibility. I don't want bowl eligibility on the line against Wisconsin the last week of the yeah. year. No, I mean, I, I, mean I, I completely get it. I would feel the same way in your shoes. Also, it seems like nobody from the Big Ten West wants to, A, win the Big Ten West or maybe go to a bowl game. I, I don't remember if Wisconsin is bowl eligible yet or not. I know Iowa is, and Iowa might be the only one. They are not. Oh, well, you know what? Let's let's talk about Illinois because they're 4-5. and five. Let's just look at them since since we're on the, on the subject here. I mean, they still have to play Northwestern. I don't know who they're on because I think they end the year with Northwestern every year. They do. Other than that, I don't know who else Illinois plays. They host three and six Indiana this week. They are at seven and two Iowa, and they host four and five Northwestern. So, so I, I can't believe. So, so once again, I think that they're going to win, uh, beat uh, Indiana. Mm-hmm. They're going to lose to Iowa. Did you see Iowa's the one they play in two weeks yes. or a week and a half? Yes. And then close with Northwestern. So then they're going to be playing Northwestern. And you know what? I don't know how many wins Northwestern has. I'm going to say that they're both going to be five and six, and it's going to be whoever wins between Illinois and Northwestern goes to a bowl. All right, stunning, stunning that we're at. Also, that point. just real fun, quick yeah. with uh, Vegas stuff. I don't know how it all works in sports books. I know you can like reserve seats mm-hmm. and tables, so you just like sit there. Yep. You have a place to sit, and I have done that on Saturday. So, I mean, I will not be there, like, the entire day for college football. But I will be there for, like, the first two games. Where my understanding is that there are just many TVs, and I can just sit there, watch football on all these TVs, and also be like, you know what? I think I'm going to bet the second half under in this game. It's like, well, you already bet the first half under in Iowa and Rutgers. Be like, I know, I'm going to bet the second half under, too. What a great place to watch a game, though. I mean, or, you know, just sit and watch college football all day. I mean, that's awesome. I think it'll be fun. I I didn't want to do it for both college football and the NFL. Mm -hmm. And since I have NFL Red Zone, which I get having all those TVs on NFL games, would make it different, but there's fewer NFL games because there's fewer teams. So I thought it would just be more interesting with college football because it would be like, oh, there's like 20 games on right now. What's this like? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's I, I can't. So we'll see. I, I mean, I can tell you when we do this after I get back. Yes, but. I want to hear about it. I, I do. I think it's going to be uh, a ton of fun. Um, so, and Like I said, and if you need me to, to make any bets for you, just, you know, send me by mail or Venmo stuff, and I can make whatever bet you want me to make. I will that. do. We'll do if that. Preferably not futures that I won't be there then, but anything on that Saturday or something. Well, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, you have to bet the under in, in the Iowa Rutgers game. I, I, I'm pretty confident that, I mean, I, I'm not going to make like tons and tons of bets. Mm-hmm. And I also do not want to do the parlay. I mean, I might do a parlay. 
I don't want to do like a 12 thing one though, where it's almost certainly not going to pay off. Mm-hmm. I am almost certainly going to put down at least like 10 to $30 on the under in Iowa and Rutgers though. It, they, it's, it's hit every year, the under every game this year, the, they've hit the under, except against Western Michigan, I believe. And, and, and also, I mean, Rutgers has a fairly good defense. I mean, all things yes. considered for Rutgers. Yes. So I just, I mean, you know, things can change. There could be a bunch of special teams touchdowns or pick sixes or something. You never know. But it just, it just screams to me that it's going to be like a 9-7 to seven game. That is like, yes. yeah, I didn't really jump that close to him. It could. Well, I hope you have a great time in Vegas, my friend. Enjoy the rushing wedding. Uh, and, uh, you know, have a great time there. We'll... We'll miss you next week, but we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. But have a great time there. Enjoy the college football. All right. Thank you, and I will, Stacking. All right. Thank you, Charlie. Yep. See ya. See ya. Charlie Hildebrand from Northwest Iowa Review and are going to be our Vegas correspondent this week. Uh, and we'll talk about that here in a couple of weeks. So that's a bull bound or not. The second week, we'll do it a third time here in a couple of weeks. And We'll have to make sure to get it in more next year. But that'll do it here uh, for that portion. Wrapping up here with a look back at Week 9 in the NFL. Make some early picks for Week 10. That's coming up as we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Available on podcast.com or archive.org. And on iTunes, just search the Sports Block. Follow Charlie on Twitter at C.E. Hildebrand. Uh, so good stuff there. He covers, he does a great job covering sports there in the Northwest Iowa area. But we'll wrap up this week's edition with a look back at a wild week nine in the NFL. Make some early picks for week 10. That's coming up next here as we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. We're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast as we always do with a look back at the previous week in the NFL. Make some early picks for the following week. So let's go back to week nine. Began Thursday night. Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Tennessee Titans 20 to 16. Kenny Pickett, not a great game. Najee Harris rushing touchdown. That was nice. Will Levis played a decent game but threw a pick late in the game with the Titans driving. And that uh, sealed the win for Pittsburgh. They improved to 5-3. Tennessee drops to 3-5. Sunday, the first game in Germany, in Frankfurt, Germany, ever. Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs. We expected a lot of fireworks. We didn't get any of that. The Chiefs uh, scored the first 21 points, including a defensive score after former Chiefs wide receiver, current Miami Dolphin, Tyreek Hill, lost the football. It was returned for a touchdown thanks to a nice uh, nifty little lateral. Uh, and the Chiefs then didn't score the rest of the game. Miami had a couple of scoring drives in the second half, but uh, last-ditch effort for them uh, failed after Tua lost a fumble. Uh, it didn't look it in on the snap. And the Chiefs win 21-14 in a game that had so much hype. Not great, but the Chiefs did get a big win, bounce back from that loss to Denver. The 1 o'clock window had a marquee matchup. It was the... Well, you know what? We're going to get back to that. The Vikings beat the Falcons 31-28. In the NFL, the story of the NFL season, one of the most improbable wins you'll ever see, Josh Dobbs, who had gotten to Minnesota five days before, not even five full days, hadn't taken any reps with the first team, had to come in because Jaron Hall, the rookie fifth-round pick from BYU, got concussed on the Vikings' second drive of the game. He comes in and helps navigate the Vikings to a 31-28 win, including a a game-winning touchdown drive with 20 seconds left. Uh, The defense did their 
part, forcing four field goals early, really keeping the Vikings in this while Josh Dobbs worked through it. Kevin O'Connell, head coach of the Vikings, was absolutely amazing, uh, helping dissect uh, or, you know, just dumb down the plays uh, so that Josh Dobbs knew it. It's an incredible story, and the Vikings win 31-28. The marquee matchup of the 1 p.m. Eastern window was the Seattle Seahawks against the Baltimore Ravens. It was anything but. Baltimore thumped yet another NFC opponent that came into the Ravens' nest 37-3. Gus Edwards with another couple rushing touchdowns in this one. Geno Smith was terrible. And the whole Seahawks offense was terrible. And the Ravens get the win. Clayton Toon making his first start to the rookie quarterback from Houston for the Arizona Cardinals. It did not go well. The Cardinals had 58 Total yards of offense. Browns cruise to a 27-0 win. When you're playing the best defense, uh, a rookie quarterback, yeah, that that's not going to bode well at all. Another uh, backup quarterback, Brett Ripien, making his uh, first start of the year for an injured Matthew Stafford for the L.A. Rams. He loses to Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers, 23. Once again, another slow offensive start for the Packers, but they did get it going late and got the win. Game of the day, arguably, was in Houston, where C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback, put on an absolute show. 470 yards through the year, five touchdowns. This game was back and forth. The Bucks grabbed a lead late with 46 seconds left to the top. Baker Mayfield had engineered an incredible win. And then to see C.J. Stroud come back and do it, it's just marvelous. What a game. Texans win 39-37. Washington Commanders beat the New England Patriots 20-17. New England had a 17-10 lead going into half. Couldn't get any offense going in the second half. Mac Jones threw a pick late that sealed the win. Commanders get the win. Uh, Sam Howell, another big day through the air, over 300 yards to help lead the the Commanders to victory. The New Orleans Saints beat the Chicago Bears 24-17. Tyson Bagent, uh, ooh, not a great day for him. Uh, two interceptions, two fumbles lost, I believe. The Bears had five turnovers in general, and yet they only lost by seven points. So not a very impressive offensive performance for the Saints. Chris Olave did catch a touchdown, but the Saints do get the all-important win, 24-17. Frank Reich, head coach of the Carolina Panthers, forced, facing his former team in the Indianapolis Colts, and Kenny Moore, his former cornerback, scored two touchdowns. Kenny Moore is the defensive back for the Colts. Two pick sixes thrown by Bryce Young, and that ultimately proved to be the difference. Colts beat the Panthers 27-13. Wow, what a difference. Just a different voice in the building will make. Josh McDaniels fired from the Raiders uh, after that debacle Monday night, and just things weren't going well. Antonio Pierce fills in as the interim head coach. A different energy. You had Aiden O'Connell, the rookie from Purdue, starting at quarterback. He helps lead the Raiders to the most points they've scored all year, 30-6 over the Giants. Daniel Jones for the Giants, the quarterback, tore his ACL in this game. He is out for the rest of the year. The nightmare season that has been for the New York Giants continues. Tremendous NFC East battle in Philly at the link where the Eagles win 28-23. The Cowboys were down 28-17, battled back, had the ball at their own like 10-yard line or something with... With uh, what, 46 seconds left, something like that. They get a pass interference penalty and they had another penalty too. So they were driving down. They were inside the Eagles 10. Then take a couple penalties, a bad sack, and then a, a pass thrown to C.D. Lamb who ended up fumbling it. Ultimately, uh, 
ended the Cowboys' hopes. They they had a, a touchdown taken off the board because the tight end's knee was down. Dak stepped out on a two-point conversion run, and the Eagles win 28-23. Cincinnati Bengals are c- continue to roll. They beat the Buffalo Bills 24-18 in an emotional game, considering this is the first game uh, back in Cincinnati for Buffalo since DeMar Hamlin's uh, s- scare last year in that game in December. Um Josh Allen played okay, but Joe Burrow was the story in this one. Over 300 yards passing, two touchdowns. The Bengals offense is rolling right now. They get the 24-18 win over Buffalo. Buffalo on very shaky ground. And the LA Chargers beat the New York Jets 27-6 on Monday Night Football. Not a great game. Uh, Austin Eckler scored a couple touchdowns. The Jets offense was horrendous. Their offensive line was terrible. Couldn't protect Zach Wilson at all. Chargers get the victory. Those are your week nine scores. Let's go ahead and make some early predictions for week 10. It begins Thursday night football, a clunker of a game. The one and seven Panthers at the two and seven Bears, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central time on Prime Video. Hey, Panthers, put something together. I think Justin Fields may be back in this one. I'm taking the Bears to win. Uh, the last international game of the year, the second of the two Frankfurt games in Germany, the Indianapolis Colts at the New, uh, against the New England Patriots, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the NFL Network. The Patriots are the home team in this one. They need a win in the worst of ways. I'd... Show us something, Patriots. I, I Until you do, I no, I can't. I'm going to go with the Colts in this one. Minnesota, uh, New Orleans Saints at the Minnesota Vikings, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. NFC South leaders, the Saints, they have a great defense. Doesn't sound like Justin Jefferson will be ready for this one uh, for the Vikings, their star wide receiver, eligible to come off of IR. Josh Dobbs going to make his first start. Is there still going to be that magic? I think there will be enough in this game. I'm hoping so. You got to win at home, take advantage of it. The Vikings are going to get, they're going to squeak by with the win. Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Deshaun Watson will play in this one. Browns have a good defense, but that Ravens offense is humming right now, and their defense is rolling. I got the Ravens beating the Browns. Houston Texans at the Cincinnati Bengals, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Who would have thought that this game would have so much appeal uh, at the beginning of the season, we thought the Texans were going to be bad, but they are playing great football, especially C.J. Stroud. The Bengals have come back from, not the dead, but I mean, they were 1-3, and three, and they've won four in a row. They're, they're playing great. Joe Burrow looks healthy. I got the Bengals beating the Texans here, but this is a definite uh, game to keep an eye on. San Francisco 49ers at the Jacksonville Jaguars, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. Will the 49ers snap their three-game losing streak? I picked the Jaguars at the beginning of the season to win this game, but Debo Samuel coming back. 49ers are desperate. I'd like San Francisco to edge Jacksonville in this one. Green Bay Packers at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Steelers have a great defense. Jordan Love and the Packers, not a great offense. Steelers win a low-scoring affair. Tennessee Titans at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Can the Bucs get off the map from that Awful ending uh, against Houston. I think they can. Tennessee starting Will Levis for the rest of the year. We'll see if that does anything. Does it add a little more juice to the Titans? I'm going to go... You know what? I'm going to go Tennessee here. I'm I'm riding with the Titans here to get the win. 
Atlanta Falcons at the Arizona Cardinals, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. After the way you lose that game last week. Speaking of Atlanta, how can you? How do you bounce back? That'll show a lot about what this team can do. Uh, Arizona's going to start Kyler Murray. We really don't know what to expect from him. He will likely be able to scramble, make some plays. I'm going to go with Atlanta here, but not not saying that with a ton of confidence. Detroit Lions at the LA Chargers, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Big game for both teams. The Lions, if they win this one, their next like five games are really easy after this. The Chargers, winners of two in a row, got to keep that momentum going. I will go with the Chargers to beat the Lions here, but the Lions have had a couple of weeks here with the bye to prepare for for Justin Herbert and the Chargers, so we'll see how it goes. New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Guarantee that Fox did not anticipate the Giants being as bad as they were when they got this game. Cowboys roll. Washington Commanders at the Seattle Seahawks, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Washington keeps surprising me. Seattle had a terrible loss last week. How do they bounce back? I think they bounce back in a big way at home. I like the Seahawks. New York Jets at the Las Vegas Raiders, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Raiders looked like a whole new revived team after that uh, in that win last week against the Giants. Against the Jets, defense, the offense needs to play better. Uh, I, I got the Jets in this one. And then the Denver Broncos at the Buffalo Bills, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ABC Monday Night Football. Bills need a win in the most the, the desperate of ways. Broncos have had a bye week to prepare, but Josh Allen and the Bills get it done in Buffalo. I like the Bills and Bills Mafia to get the win. Official picks and predictions can be found in the stack, stackattack.sportsblog.com in our Football Friday post. But those are the early predictions for Week 10 in the NFL. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. You can find us on podcast.com or archive.org, as well as iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at NDStacken. Facebook, Nathan Stacken, Travis Krins on Twitter, at Travis Krins. Charlie on Twitter, at C.E. Hildebrand. A link to the podcast post in the middle to later part of each week. It's a long one, but we talked, we covered a lot. The, the, the amazing Vikings game, uh, lots of college football, baseball talk. I previewed the college basketball season. College football talk with Charlie. We played uh, second edition of the season of Bull Bound or Not. We'll see where every team is at. We'll pick all of the five-win teams Two weeks from now, Charlie's off next week on vacation, so we will, uh, the, the, the Ty Rushing getting married in, in Vegas, so congrats to the Rushings, and we will talk to him in a couple weeks, but we will talk to you next week. So have a great rest of your week. Enjoy all the football, the college basketball, the hockey, the basketball, everything going on in the world of sports. So uh, enjoy it all. We'll be back to talk about a lot of it next week. So for Travis and Charlie, I'm Nathan. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.